here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Many, 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 are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza. Because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Cranch. <laughs> Give me a name. Like Who delivers <laughs> this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. Like in, in the big spot. Who delivers better than this guy? <laughs> Stop yelling at me. I agree. All right, welcome once again to the Voices of Wrestling Flagship Podcast. I'm Rich Craig. No Joe Lanza this week. Uh, if you're a Patreon subscriber, you know that he sent a message out a few days ago that he had a family emergency to take care of and he'd be flying back to New Jersey. So uh, he's going to be out and not able to do the flagship this week. And obviously the uh, the Thursday and Monday TV reviews will be uh, delayed as well on the Patreon side. But uh, thank you to everybody who was sending you know words of, of, of well wishes to, to Joe. Uh, he's fine. You know, everything's fine. It's just, you know, something came up in, in, in terms of his family. So he had to go... Uh, to New Jersey, but don't don't worry, he's he's fine. He, he'll be back, I I assume, uh, and everything will be okay. But uh, yeah, no, it's just um, these things come up sometimes. We have personal lives, we have real lives outside this uh, you know this podcast. So uh, yeah, so I'm gonna fly solo today. The captain is is steering the ship solo, but uh, yeah, we're gonna have a fun little show here. What uh, I'm gonna do at the top is just kind of quick news hits. Um, I'm recording this after the All Elite Wrestling uh, presser. Uh, slash rally that they had, the Double or Nothing rally. Uh, so I'm going to talk a little bit about the news and notes from that. Uh, also going to get into MLW Super Fight. I know that uh, Joe went on a uh, very passionate rant on the Monday tier reviews uh, on our Patreon side about it. Well, I wanted to touch on it a bit as well because I watched it uh, and have some reactions. Uh, Halftime Heat, I'm going to briefly get into that. Uh, there's not a whole lot to talk about with Halftime Heat except for that it was a really fun match with a lot of shit that, that happened. And I guess I'm done with Halftime Heat because that's really all you can say. It's just kind of this standalone match that was really, really good, and it was all the good and all the bad about current day NXT, which is just a lot of guys doing shit, you know, indie dudes just doing PWG-style matches or whatnot, or, you know, super indie-style matches, which, you know, people were complaining about it at the time, and I don't know if those same people are still probably complaining about it and and whatever. I, I enjoy it, so I'm not going to really complain about it. I liked it when it was the indies, I liked it when it was PWG, and, and I like it when it's NXT now. So, yeah, but that one was in particular was kind of fun because it was like, you know, this, this 10, 15-minute compact, thing that they had to do, and they just went balls to the wall the entire time. Just unbelievable work by those guys. Uh, so if you have not watched the Halftime Heat match, I, I would definitely recommend uh, you go out of your way and do that. Um, so that's it. I guess I talked about Halftime Heat, so good. Uh, I want to do briefly touch on the Taichi uh, Naito match from New Beginning at Sapporo, and also do just kind of a mini preview of uh, New Beginning in Osaka, which is going on in 2.11 um, from New Japan. So just really briefly get into that show. Um, 
And then, uh, last but not least, I wanted to talk about the Jordan Devlin David Star uh, promo video uh, that's up on uh, OTT's YouTube page right now. Just an incredible, incredible promo video. So I want to talk a little bit about that. Uh, then I'm going to take a quick break, and then I'm going to answer your questions. We had a bunch of questions from the Twitter uh, account I asked on Twitter at Voices Wrestling for uh, your questions, and also on the wrestling uh, Voice Wrestling forums, uh, VoiceWrestling.com/forums. I asked if anybody had any questions as well. And um, there was some good stuff in there, and uh, there's some fun stuff to talk about. I can't guarantee that I'm going to get to every single question that you guys sent, uh, but I'm going to try to get to as many as I possibly can uh, in this time. But uh, yeah, let's kick it off right away with the uh, the, the All Elite Wrestling. Uh, had their presser rally for uh, Double or Nothing, and there was quite a lot of news uh, that came from the the event. Uh, I want to say again that it, it, both these press conferences, I think, have been home runs. Um, I'll get to kind of the, the, the nuts and bolts of, of what was announced at this the one that you know tonight uh, that just happened, but uh, yeah, I mean they've been. I, I think they've been pretty good event. I mean, for when we talk about a company, you know, sort of forming and building hype and doing that sort of stuff, it's been pretty awesome. I and mean, they they nailed it. They're they're getting as much as you can get out of these things, and and they're really doing a great job of of, of building up hype for, for for Double or Nothing, and they're building up hype for All Elite Wrestling. I have a big question at the end of of, of when I talk about everything that's going on. Of okay, what's next? You know, now that we're, we've had all these announcements, we've got a little bit of a card of Double or Nothing, we know who's in the fold now, we know who's been signed and whatnot, but now what, what happens until now from May? I mean, that's quite a lot of time. We're talking, you know, I'm recording this, you know, it's what, February 8th or whatever. What the hell? Day? I don't even know what the hell date it is anymore. I've lost track of my life. Uh, yeah, February 7th, I should say. And, and, and yeah, and now... You know, we have until May until Dull or Nothing actually happens. So, so what's going to be the next step in all elite wrestling? Like, there's there's one thing to be said for hey, if you're just running these spot shows or whatnot, yeah, cool. Like you've announced a lot for Double or Nothing. They maybe do one more presser and and round out the card or whatnot. And you know, of course, on this this you know rally, they announced an on sale ticket date and and ticket pre sales and that sort of stuff. And those are going well. And, and these guys are going to sell at the MGM Grand like in, in ten minutes. This shit's going to sell out. I mean, anybody doubting that or anybody going, oh, I don't know about these all elite guys. I don't know if they're going to be able to do it again. Like you're idiots they're 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 already gonna sell this shit out the the website crashed for pre-sale tickets they, they apparently already have twelve thousand people you know banging at the door to get pre-sale tickets that's that's just pre-sale so once that code goes out and, and all those people buy like they're pretty much already sold out and then it's just a few more things on the edges there that that are gonna happen so yeah the, the idea that these guys just won't sell out again, i mean it's just you're, you're out of your mind <laughs> just stop you just stop trying to to, to, to fight it. it it's happening and and you know you're getting passed up by it or whatnot but no there, there are still people out there like i I don't know. All in was a was a thing, but can they do it again? Like they're gonna be able to do it again, for sure. The problem is, are they gonna be able to do it again regularly, full time? And that that is my still my big question with this all elite wrestling is is I like every move they've made. I I like every talent announcement. We'll talk about you know different talent partnerships and whatnot. And and I think Double or Nothing's gonna sell out in 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 an instant. And probably the next show they do is gonna sell out in an instant. But are they just a few times a year? big event they can't be that though they can't be just a few times a year big event company i mean they, they're these guys are signed full-time they have 15 executive vice presidents like you know what i mean there, there's it, this isn't a thing that you can just kind of do every so often and go hey we're doing a big show here you go like there needs to be something in between the edges and obviously they haven't announced a tv deal yet but we know that one is potentially imminent and 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 that i think would go a long way but I'm still just kind of curious on what these guys do in the meantime. Like, what does you know? What you know? Kenny Omega, of course, uh, the worst kept secret in wrestling, officially uh, came out and, and and said that he signed with All Elite Wrestling. Like, what does Kenny Omega do from now until May? I mean, he, he's obviously not going back to New Japan uh, right now to do anything. And I I don't know what what does he do in those in between times? What is he doing um, as he's kind of waiting around and, and and waiting for the next big All Elite show? Like, that's where you have to fill in the gaps. Like the Young Bucks, they can still show up at their indie shows like they've been doing and keep themselves um, in in everyone's 
you know, everyone's conscious, you know, just by going on those indie shows and, and doing be, the, the being the elite series on YouTube and whatnot, which is obviously a huge valuable asset. But is it enough to build a full-time company? I, I, I don't know. And I, I don't know the exact answer. Um, I'm just curious what they do do. I, I'm not saying that I don't have confidence in them, that they don't have a plan to, to make sure that they remain, you know, top of mind from now until till May. But I don't know if just being the elite YouTube series is enough. I, I think it's a great asset, but there just needs to be a little bit more. But I don't know what that more is. And, and I'm interested to see what they think that more is and what they think is a good plan to you know, to go ahead because it's just a matter of these guys working and these guys, you know, being out there and, 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 and doing stuff like Cody, it's perfect for Cody. He needs to rest and, and, and heal his knee up and then he'll come back uh, hopefully at a hundred percent. But like someone like a Kenny Omega, I mean, he's not just going to go five months without working is he, or he's not going to go, you know, three or four months with just not wrestling at all. I mean, it seems, it seems far fetched for him to do that. So I, I don't know that that's where I'm really kind of curious on all of these signings where, you know, some of them are still allowed to do their indie shots and some are still allowed to do some other stuff. But what about your bigger guys? What about when Cody's healthy? What does he do in between these big shows? What does a, a Kenny do in between these big shows? And the Bucks, how long do they just, you know, show up at random indie shows and super kick people? And, and, and I mean, how often can that happen before people are like, all right, yeah, cool. <laughs> we get it, you know. And, and again, I have the full confidence that these guys have some plan in mind. I'm just kind of curious what that plan is. And that, that's kind of my big question now. But uh, let's get to some of the highlights of this uh, All Elite Rally. Um, they did a ticket announcement. This is sort of a ticket announcement party, and we'll get to that uh, here in a bit because I think there's just some more important news and notes uh, that I wanted to touch on. Uh, Kenny Omega was the final guy that came out. And, yeah, it was like the worst kept secret in wrestling and Kenny Omega was announced as an executive vice president, making him the, I think, 33rd executive vice president of All Elite Wrestling. So it's uh, quite the uh, <laughs> quite the hierarchy in this company. I'd like to see an org chart uh, for this thing. But, uh, you know, joking aside, he, he was obviously a founding member of the, you know, quote-unquote elite. So it, it always felt like this is probably where he was going to end up. Uh, the WWE stuff, I never believe ever with Kenny Omega. I mean, there might be a time where I believe it, but... We've had these like horrible discussions the last two three years about oh he's gonna show up at the Royal Rumble and oh he's gonna shut up <laughs> no you'll know I think you'll know when Kenny Omega is ready to go to WWE and it, it it's certainly not uh, anytime soon I think he's pretty happy doing his own thing right now and he's got some a lot of a lot of ill will with that company and 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 given the creative direction that they're in right now like why the hell would Kenny Omega of all people you know go to that company so so there's gonna be a coming time you know where I think he might think a little bit more strongly about it, but that was definitely not now. It definitely wasn't a few years ago, and uh, it's definitely not going to be in the near future for for Kenny, but um, so he's officially announced. He comes out and says, uh, you know, I had a lot of soul-searching to do and a lot of legality to do, but uh, I signed on the dotted line this morning, and it's all right, dude. Okay. <laughs> okay, Kenny. You know, that's it's he, he likes to kind of play that up. You know, he did that with Dave, you know, many, many years ago about the, oh, I'm not sure what my future's going to hold, but I want to, you know, the matches I really look forward to wrestling in the next year are Kotobushi and Rosh Tanahashi and Okada and, and Naito. And it's like, all right, he just, he just listened to New Japan guys. You know, oh, I'm not so sure what I'm going to do. And, you know, might not I might not know until the final moment or whatever. And, like, yeah, I'm sure that there was maybe some discussions between him and, and, and New Japan for wrestling and him and All Elite and all that sort of stuff. But at the end of the day, it felt like he was probably just going to be at All Elite and, and maybe still find a way to do some New Japan stuff. But, yeah, I mean, the, the idea that he signed on the deadline, you know, this morning, even though he was, you know, in, in the being the lead episode holding his phone with the timer on it, you know, from a week ago. Yeah, okay, okay. This morning, I'm sure. Um, anyway, um, after Kenny Omega talked, uh, Chris Jericho came out. Uh, Chris Jericho, of course, you know, at, at the first rally was announced as, as a full-time member of All Elite. Uh, he came out uh, and began a brawl with uh, Kenny Omega. 
Uh, so that appears to be one of our matches for Double or Nothing. I had a few people on Twitter ask me, well, geez, that, that seems weird. You're going to go back to a match that you've already had, and would you really do that and whatnot? And and my you know my answer was, yes, you absolutely go back and do that because I don't know what Chris Jericho's next move is. Chris Jericho is a guy who, yeah, even though he signed on, signed on the dotted line with, with All Elite and seems pretty into it, you just never know quite what's going on in his head and what's going on in his mind. So I'd strike while the iron's hot. This guy's as hot as he's been in, in, in years. Uh, he's, he's bigger to an international audience than he's ever been. He's bigger to kind of the hardcore audience than he's ever been. Yeah, go for go for Omega Jericho too. I mean, it was such a big deal the first time it happened. Why wouldn't you try to do it again? And and also the other thing too is Jericho's not a spring chicken. Like people forget how old Chris Jericho is. He's been around the block for a while, and yeah, he gets a bunch of time off and whatnot. But you're seeing every single time he comes out there, he looks a little older. Every you know, he's kind of evolving as we said into kind of this Terry Funk brawler guy. Thing, you know this fat brawler, and and you don't know how much longer you have with Jericho. So do it now. I mean, do it while you have Omega signed, while you have Jericho signed. Go ahead and do it. It's a huge match. I don't think that many people are going to care that they've done that match before. I, I think there's a lot of of that audience that's clamoring to see those guys go at it again. And and fuck, the first time they had a match, it was one of the best matches of all time. So. Okay, you know, I, I let me reel that back in. Not one of the best matches of all time, but a very, very good match. That that was that was a little that was a stretch for me even, but uh, I really liked it. You know, I I, I voted it among my top ten uh, of 2018, and and really did enjoy it. But yeah, no, you you gotta while you have it, just do it. You, you know, like don't don't overthink it. Just do it when you have it, and and, and yeah, I have no issue with with, with going back to the well uh, with with the Jericho Omega. Um, some other stuff that came up, uh, one uh, notable thing, Sammy Guevara was a guy who we, uh, we had rumors that he was going to possibly be showing up uh, at All Elite. He showed up at the, at the rally as well, so he is in the fold uh, now with them. They also announced a talent partnership with AAA out of uh, Mexico, of course. Now, this is, this is interesting in, in a lot of ways, and the reason, the reason I'm bringing it up as, as early as I am is, uh, for one, that means, really, we can kind of close the door on any sort of New Japan relationship right now, because if, if, if All Elite is working with AAA and announcing that they're working with AAA, they, they really can't work with New Japan, because New Japan is very loyal to CMLL. We've seen them be staunchly loyal to CMLL and, 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 and the partners that they have. So for All Elite to then go work with CMLL's you know, main rival in Mexico, I mean, that, that, that's closed book right now. I mean, I, not to say that something might not change in the future and that New Japan might not find a way to sort of use them and, and whatnot, but I think we're we're kind of, I don't know, I think we're kind of done with that for now. And and we have to maybe look at ourselves in the mirror and go, okay, All Elite and New Japan are going to be different entities. Like, these are not going to be relatable companies. I don't know if Kenny Omega is going to do random shots here and there. Maybe the Bucks do random shots here and there or whatnot. Maybe they work independently of All Elite in New Japan, but I'm led to believe probably not. I mean, it, it feels like those guys are done for right now in New Japan, and it feels like we're not going to see or hear anything from All Elite. Uh, in New Japan, and that's it's bold. It's bold from both ends for all elite to uh, and and guys like Kenny and the Bucks and Cody to just break off uh, from New Japan uh, completely is 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 bold because that's really where a lot of these guys uh, got their big break and, and and got to that next level in wrestling. So that's kind of done. And and for New Japan, I mean, for their North North American expansion, like they they're done using those guys. Like they're they're now embedded with Ring of Honor uh, moving forward and, and using the guys that Ring of Honor use. And, and using their native talent uh, moving forward. And yeah, you know, an additional thing is, you know, the best friends were announced um, as well, Trump, Beretta, and, and Chucky T, and they came out. And we know that there's some bad blood between uh, New Japan and, and, and Beretta, who they had a verbal agreement with, and then he, he kind of turned his back on that. So um, yeah, for right now, they're they're opposite ends. They're, they're competitors right now, all elite in New Japan. So uh, that's that's interesting. And, and, you know, I don't hate it. I think it's a, a pretty 
cool thing to have as many players in the industry as you do and and to do all that. But I can't help but be, I mean, I'm a huge Kenny Omega fan, and I'm disappointed that we may have seen the last of him, at least for right now, uh, in New Japan. And, you know, you lose the Bucks, and I think that's a pretty big blow to the tag division as well. Um, Cody is a guy who, you know, I, I won't. 100% miss, you know, seeing all the time in New Japan, but still, that that's a big loss for them. Uh, it's a big loss for their North American expansion as well. So Kenny is the one that strikes, strikes me as, as as the biggest one, though, because it's like, oh, man, like that that's a guy who, you know, whether you, I, I know there's a lot of people that, done, that kind of soured on Kenny Omega in the last year, but, I mean, that's a guy who was bringing guaranteed incredible matches to you every single year. I mean, go look at our match of the year poll. He was all over it. Go look at the, the, the stats article that Jeremy Sexton did uh, for the website as well, voiceofwrestling.com. I mean, Kenny Omega was far and away the best, best wrestler in the world last year <laughs> and our voters reflected that you know you know we have a huge voting pool from across the world and whether they were in mexico or they were in australia or they were in england or wherever people were voting for kenny omega matches he was appearing on every single ballot and yeah it, it, it's you know he he's a huge 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 loss to new japan i mean think about the g1 think about the great stuff that he does during the g1 think about you know future wrestle kingdoms and whatnot kenny omega was not only just a good wrestler but a draw as well for new japan so this is a huge huge change of the guard here if he's truly you know, done with them or, 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 or not, you know, he's obviously not going to work full time with them. So I don't know. I'm, I'm fascinated to see what the next few months hold. I'm fascinated to see what the post MSG, uh, new Japan, North American relationship is. If they stick with ring of honor, which I assume they have to at this point, cause there's no really anybody else, but yeah. And for new Japan, I mean, they, they don't get to use any of this all elite talent, um, on any of their North American shows, which, you know, could lead to a lot more shows like we've, Saw, you know, with the new beginning of the USA shows where, you know, they weren't knockout drag out cards. I, I heard some positive reviews about all of them. I don't know. I don't believe they're up anywhere yet. Uh, hopefully they'll be up pretty soon. But I've heard some good stuff about them. But, yeah, they're they're that that's kind of kind of be your future new North American shows for uh, New Japan. Uh, and they're going to be devoid of the Bucks and Omega and Cody and whatnot. And, and how, does that hurt their bottom line? Does that hurt uh, the way they go about uh, future expansion in North America? But uh, fascinating there. So, yeah, it's weird how. Uh, you know, just kind of a, a random announcement of a relationship with AAA can have such wide-ranging effects and whatnot. And uh, I had a few other people ask me as well, like, oh, geez, AAA, like, they're kind of a disaster, they're kind of a mess. And they are, <laughs> there's no doubt about it. Uh, even people that, you know, you know, ardent Lucha fans will tell you that AAA is, is eh, you know, sometimes it could be a kind of a disaster, kind of a mess. The problem, though, is is there's no doubting that they have great talent. They have really, really great talent. It's the the fact that when you sit down and you you know, watch a triple mania or you watch, you know, triple a show, you sit down and then it just like the booking doesn't make sense. There's a bunch of madness going on. There's overbooking, there's turns, there's you know, it just, it, there's a lot of shit that happens. There's a bunch of carny stuff that happens in triple a that really drags it down for, for the, the viewer, but the talent is there. And I think that's why this partnership, you know, there's some people really negative on it. Like, Oh geez, geez, cut triple a they're, they're a mess. They're a disaster. But to me, if you can, all you, if all you need is the talent of AAA, if you can get a partnership where you get to borrow the talent of AAA or use the talent of AAA, and then you can book them however you want, this is a huge, huge, huge announcement because these guys are good. There's talented wrestlers in AAA. They just they get bogged down by all the carny shit. They get bogged down by all the turns and the swerves and all this sort of stuff. So if you can take that away, if you can take all the madness that, that occurs in a normal Triple Mania away and just let the wrestlers work and just let the guys do their thing, there's some super talented guys in AAA. So I'm excited about this partnership. I really, really think it's going to be a, a huge boon uh, to All Elite. And, and it adds to you know their announcement of, of working with OWE. Uh, Shima showed up uh, at the press conference as well. As long as Dragon... Uh, as well as Dragon Fu. And then there, I forget the other guy's name. I'm sorry, I don't have it in front of me. But um, they made a big... you know, Not really a big announcement. They were just kind of there and officially... Uh, 
letting it be known that OWE is going to be a part of All Elite. And again, between these two partnerships, between o, uh, OWE and AAA, like they're getting some of the most talented wrestlers in the world. And they're going to have it on the, uh, you know, under their umbrella. And if they can book them right and they can have you know sort of the right plans for these people, like these are huge talents they brought in here. So I'm super excited to see what the AAA guys do uh, in All Elite. And I'm interested to see if some All Elite guys maybe go into Mexico and start doing stuff in AAA and, and, and whatnot. It could be fun. It's just it comes with the caveat of AAA sometimes does shit that just makes your mind <laughs> it's just it just makes your brain hurt sometimes a, a lot of what AAA does even even you know the Cubs fan who will write previews for us will just kind of just you, you'll read in the previews his his disappointment with like this is a good card and a good show but ah, I don't understand AAA at all like they don't make any sense like what the hell are they doing and whatnot and you know Rob Viper on Twitter as well is is, is kind of similar in the sense that it's just like all these people talk about how great AAA could AAA could be but then they just they just do dumb shit all the time. So uh, if it's just getting the talent uh, and they're coming into All Elite, I mean, that's a huge boon. So so I'm excited about that. Um, uh, Brandy Rhodes announced uh, some new additions to the women's division as well. You got uh, the legendary Aja Kong is going to show up. Uh, Yuka Sakazaki, uh, who is from Tokyo Joshi Pro. Uh, Kylie Ray, uh, who I watch a lot uh, locally. Uh, she just recently won the Freelance World Championship or is a freelance championship. I, I guess they call it the world championship, but I, I don't know if it quite is world. But uh, anyway, the freelance championship, uh, I've also seen her in AEW. She's awesome. She is a lot of fun and, and a really energetic personality. Kind of like, I, I liken her a lot to a Bailey, but she's got that appeal to, to, to kids, to children, and then also to, to adults too. So yeah, Kylie Ray is an awesome addition. Uh, then Nyla Rose, who I didn't know a whole lot about, but uh, some people sent me some highlight videos of her. Uh, and that sounds like a really uh, another great pickup. For them as well. So the women's division starting to kind of build up here uh, a little bit. Uh, so, so far, uh, they announced a little bit more additions to the tag division. As I mentioned, the Best Friends came out. Uh, the Lucha Brothers officially came out, Penta and Phoenix. Uh, so, of course, now you add them to the Young Bucks. Uh, you got the Best Friends, Lucha Brothers, and SCU, of course, all in the tag division. Uh, at one point, I mentioned o- o- OWE uh, came out. Also, SCU came out, and Daniels and Shima kind of squared off. It, it was a respectful square off, I should say. They, uh, you know, Daniels said, hey, at Double or Nothing, if you can bring two of your best guys, I'll bring two of my best guys, and we'll have a uh, three-on-three match. So, we now know SCU is going to be facing uh, Shima and two OWE guys, or maybe two Strong Hearts. We'll find out uh, eventually when that goes. Uh, the Lucha Brothers er- uh, came out earlier on the press conference and uh, attacked the Young Bucks. Uh, Phoenix hit a uh, super kick, and Penta did his little uh, his little pile driver thing. I think it's got a name, but I'm going to call it a pile driver thing for right now. Um, so they attacked the Young Bucks, and uh, that was that. So we have. Presumably the Young Bucks uh, versus Penta and Phoenix going on a double or nothing as well. Uh, also, Adam Page came out and was given a speech, and Pac showed up, quote, via satellite, even though it was definitely via a camera fo- a phone. Because, uh, yes, uh, satellites often aren't in vertical uh, format, but uh, he was via, quote, satellite. Uh, and Pac, you know, continued to uh, set up controversy uh, in that match. So you got Pac versus Adam Page, which we, we knew was kind of going to be the first match at double or nothing. I don't know if it's official official yet. I, I guess it kind of is official, but... Uh, so you got that match as well on Double or Nothing. So, yeah, uh, some interesting stuff going on. Uh, we mentioned the uh, on-sale date. Uh, registration uh, is open right now if you go to the All Elite Wrestling website. Uh, and then the pre-sale will begin on Monday, February 11th at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. 
uh, with public on sale starting Wednesday, February 13th at noon Eastern. So no prices uh, announced quite yet. Uh, if you go to get, uh, if you go to that Ali Wrestling site and sign up for the pre-sale tickets, uh, you'll yeah you'll get a pre-sale ticket uh, that you, or a pre-sale uh, I should say not a ticket a pre-sale code uh, that you can use to purchase tickets uh, during the pre-sale date. So uh, apparently the the site crashed immediately upon them making the announcement. Uh, they received about 12,000 requests per the F4W online. Uh, dot com. So uh, they're gonna they're gonna sell this shit out. I mean, they're gonna sell this shit out, and they were gonna sell this shit out. We always knew that. It's like anybody who's doubting, what are you doing? Of course, they're gonna sell this shit out right away. But um, yeah, I just thought that was uh, uh, interesting to note about that. Uh, obviously, uh, Saturday, May twenty fifth. Just going over the last little notes that I can come up with here. Double or nothing. Uh, Saturday, May twenty fifth. MGM Grand Garden Arena. Uh, Heyman Page versus Pac. Also, the Young Bucks. Presumably versus the Lucha Brothers. That's not official, official yet. Uh, SCU versus Shima and two OWE talents as well. And then we also kind of built to a Kylie Ray, uh, Nyla Rose match as well. So uh, none of those are official, official yet, uh, other than Hangman Page and Pac. But um, you got that. And also, of course, Kenny Omega versus Chris Jericho. Again, not official, official, but presumably given you know what what happened there uh that is going to be official pretty soon so uh as i said my big question you know what's next what's going to happen between now and may we'll uh we'll hopefully find out pretty soon i imagine they'll have a presence at wrestlemania weekend we had a few questions that asked me about that so i'll get to those uh during the question portion of uh, the show but uh yeah so that was the all elite presser um Briefly gets to some other news and notes here before I get to your guys' questions. Uh, MLW Super Fight. Uh, Joe had a very, very, very passionate uh, uh, discussion on the Monday TV reviews talking about this show. Uh, this was MLW's uh, special last Friday uh, on BN Sports and also available on YouTube. So you can go to YouTube's uh, MLW's YouTube page right now uh, and watch it for free. Uh, it was a three-match hour-long show. Uh, you had your opener was the MLW World Tag Team Championship match with uh, Penta and Phoenix, the aforementioned Penta and Phoenix, uh, losing their titles to the New Heart Foundation of Teddy Hart and Davey Boy Smith Jr. And this was a weird, weird, weird match. Um, obviously, two, two teams on totally different wavelengths. Uh, this is when pro wrestling really makes you feel awkward because you could just sense that these two dudes, or these two teams, just didn't have it on this night. And 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 Davey Boy was having trouble running the ropes. And there was obviously a communication issue between Davey Boy and, and, and Phoenix and, and Penta and... and Really, as <laughs> wild as this, of all the names I mentioned, the only guy who had any semblance of like ability to get this match back on track, and the only one who seemed like he knew what the hell he was doing, or at least had any concept of what was going on, was Teddy Hart. I, I know Teddy Hart was the voice of reason in this match, and that tells you just how much of a disaster uh, this thing was. But yeah, this is this is going to be a famous match for how disjointed and weird it was. I think ultimately it turned out okay, given all the circumstances, but there's portions of the match that just it's that weird thing when you watch wrestling and you're just like, oh boy, like you feel bad for the guys in the ring, you feel horrible for the fans watching it. It's just it takes you out of the moment when you're just like, oh these these guys, oh they're fucking up. Oh god, they don't know what they're doing. Oh god, they don't know like they don't know what the next move is. Or oh my god, they're, they're completely lost. Like it just really it, it drags everything down. It was uh, it was certainly it was an experience. <laughs> it's one way to put it uh, that match. But uh, yeah, the New Heart Foundation are your new tag team champions. Uh, Ricky Martinez versus Cotto Brazil was your next match. Uh, this feud, if you're not following MLW TV, uh, Ricky Martinez attacked Cotto Brazil in a bar and nearly blinded him. So they decided to have like a 20 minute back and forth wrestling match. And Cotto Brazil is trying to tap him out, baby, because the only way to get revenge from being attacked and nearly blinded is to make somebody tap out to a single leg crab. Is the only way to really, really drive home that you're ready for revenge or whatnot. And and this um, it it's even more startling when we get to the main event of of 
if any match on the show needed to be like four minutes long, it's probably Rick Martinez and Cotto Brazil. Like, just have Cotto go out like a ball of fucking fire. He's pissed off. He's upset that that you know he got attacked and his eye got gouged out or whatever. And then you could go to the finish, where, which they had. I mean, they had like a 20-minute back-and-forth match, and then Selena De Laurento, who's, who's Ricky Martin, uh, Rick Martin, <laughs> Ricky Martin, Ricky Martinez's uh, manager, uh, just sprayed him with mace in, in the hurt eye, and then obviously that's the reason they got the pinfall. I mean, you could have done that pretty early on in the match. Like, I would have done that. I would have had Cotto Brazil come out like a ball of fire, beat the fuck out of Ricky Martinez, and, and do everything he can, and then Selena realizing, oh, shit, we need to do something right away, spraying the mace in, in, in the eye, and then having it go down and let Ricky then pin Cotto uh, from that. And, and it could be five minutes, and that's fine. Like, But the idea that they come out there and they have like a grappling match and Cota Brazil is trying to tap them out, like, it just takes me out of the moment. And that's the problem is when you do these sort of big-time angles. If you do an angle where someone's lit on fire, if you do an angle where someone nearly died, when you do an angle when someone nearly lost their eyes and you did a press release that, oh, my God, Cota Brazil might, might be permanently blinded in his eye because of a, a, you know, a fight at a club or whatever – the problem is when you do big stuff like that, you can't then just have a wrestling match. It, it just completely takes me out of the moment. It doesn't make any fucking sense that you would have all this big buildup and all this sort of stuff. And, oh, my God, this guy almost died. And then, like, the guy that almost died is just going to be like, well, I'm just going to defeat you via submission. Like, it's just, I don't know. And it wasn't, it didn't have the energy that the match that with those sort of build, with that sort of build should have had. So I wasn't a huge fan of this match. I think it went way too long. And then, of course, when you get to the main event, the MLW World Heavyweight Championship match, uh, Filthy Tom Lawler defeating Loki to win the MLW World Championship. I think the right move to have Filthy Tom win. I think he's the biggest star in MLW, and he's a guy that I would have absolutely built around um, and would build around uh, moving forward. But uh, this match went, I, I don't have the exact time in front of me, but somewhere between four and six minutes. It was quick. It was super quick. Uh, the fans didn't expect it. The fans were not hyped up at any point uh, until the finish happened. And then there was kind of the, the shock, like, oh, God, what, what, what? Tom Lawler just won in five minutes. What the hell? And he, Joe went on this rant on the Money TV reviews, as I said, and, and I'll go on a mini rant a, a little bit here. Not necessarily to the same extent uh, that Joe went on, but I just don't understand this. I, I They've done months of Bill. There was a hype video at the beginning of the show that was longer than this match was. And, and I get it. I get the idea of, oh, we want you know we want it to feel like a fight that can end at any point. The problem, though, is it wasn't a good match at that point. There was nothing during the match that made it say, oh, my God, this match is going to be over in five minutes. Like, it's not like Tom Lawler came out like a ball of fire again, like Cotto Brazil, and was kicking and punching and, and, and doing takedowns and doing quick moves and stuff and making you think, oh, God, he's trying to end this thing as quick as possible. It wasn't that. Like, they wrestled a normal wrestling match for five minutes, Tom Lawler put him in the choke, you know, the rear naked choke, and then he pinned, and then he tapped out, and that was it, and it, the, the crowd at no point felt the energy that, oh my god, this match is going to be over in five minutes, and it, at no point did either worker look like they were in a five-minute frantic match or whatnot, you know, I was going back and watching a lot of these matches, a lot of really short, you know, main event matches for, for the Kings of the Tokyo Dome series, and there's some matches that end in 11 minutes, but they're just throwing bombs at the beginning, I mean, you just got slap fest, kicks fest, I mean, they're going absolutely nuts at the beginning to let you know that both these men want to win this match as quickly as possible. I never got the idea from Tom Lawler that he was trying to win this match as quickly as possible. I thought they were doing their thing for five minutes, and and they were kind of building towards something, and building towards something, and building towards something, and it just didn't happen. Now, MLW has officially said that they, this match was meant to be this. There's, oh, we wanted it to be five minutes. I don't fucking buy that. I, I really, really do not buy that because given all the hype that's been going on and given how quickly the sign-off was, Tom Lawler barely got a second to celebrate. He he raised the title over his head and Matt Sharker said, we gotta go, and then they went to black immediately. So I'm led to believe that there is no chance in hell that this was just supposed to be five minutes. Was it supposed to be 20 minutes? Was it supposed to be 30 minutes? I don't know. I doubt that. I don't think it was supposed to be that long, but I think it was definitely supposed to be longer than the, whatever it was. 
whether that was going to be seven minutes, ten minutes, or whatnot, I think it was supposed to be designed to be a little bit longer because it felt like they just went home right away. Like somebody gave them the call that, hey, look, we got like a minute and a half left to go, so let's end this shit right away. I, I don't know. I, I don't know the circumstances. All we can believe is is what we've heard. Uh, we've heard some some sources that said, no, it was supposed to go longer and there was supposed to be a commercial break and all this sort of stuff. I don't know. I have no idea what the actual intention was going to be, but I'm led to believe, given all the hype, given all the build, that it was not designed to go, you know, five minutes and 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 be done like that. And and even if it was designed to go five minutes, I'll buy that excuse. I'll buy the thing that no, we want it to be this short. But you gotta have some more fucking hype in the match. Then you have to have both workers working like this is gonna be a five minute match. There was nothing in that match that made you believe that. And the, you can listen to the crowd's reaction. They are not buying it that this match is gonna be over in in a few minutes. They're not buying it until Tom Lawler locks in that locks in that chokehold and they realize, oh shit, Loki's not getting out of this. Then you get a little bit of a hype and then he taps out and then you get people sort of getting excited from that. But the first four and a half minutes of the match, nobody gave a shit about because they thought they were getting something larger. And and there's ways to design a match where you tell people that it's obvious that this thing is going a lot shorter than it is. They didn't do that. They wrestled a normal wrestling match, and and it showed. So this is kind of a disaster, the super fight in general. You have one match that was just an absolute total fucking mess uh, between the Hart Foundation and Penta and Phoenix. You have the Ricky martinez Cotto brazil match that went way too long. It was just the wrong match for, for the feud. And then you have the Tom Lawler-Loki, which finished on a high note. It finished with, I think, the right idea of having Tom Lawler win the title, but ultimately felt empty because it was just like, oh, that what the hell happened? Why was that match so short? Why was the match that style? What happened? It, it just kind of comes in like a blur. So... I don't know. Uh, thumbs down for me on Super Fight. Like, you know, ultimately, I, I enjoy MLW TV uh, a lot, and I think it's a nice, compact show. But this this was a miss. This was a huge miss for them. And I know that certain uh, cable outlets uh, had two-hour blocks for this, and it was only designed, apparently, to go for an hour. So, again, people think that they're getting more, and, and they weren't. And, and I heard from people that were at the tapings as well that this was just, you know, a match in the random middle of the tapings. And a lot of people didn't really understand or know the, the the circumstances like if you don't follow mlw tv that closely you know you might be going and getting popcorn and they say all right this is our mlw super fight main event and like you're in the bathroom and you're like oh okay whatever and you didn't even have time to get back to your seat because this shit was over in five minutes and then like there was another few hours after the you know of matches after these tapings and i get because they were live on being sports that it was going to be a little weird but and, and, and this is the problem with you know taping a lot of tv wrestling all at once and and and, and not cluing your audience in okay the first night this is going to be super fight here's the build-up, here's all the matches and whatnot, you know, we're going to get real hyped up for this, like, let's go, like, you can do that, instruct the fans what you want them to do, let them know that this is a big deal, don't just sort of assume that everybody kind of knows what they're there for, so, um, yeah, just kind of a disaster, uh, all in all, uh, I'm curious to see what uh, the next uh, next bit of TV looks like uh, for MLW, I'm, I'm hoping that with Tom Lawler is the champion, they have some good stuff planned, but, uh, yeah, Super Fight, definitely a, uh, definitely a thumbs down uh, from me, <clears throat> All right, Taichi and Naito from uh, New Beginning in Sapporo. Uh, it's a match that got a lot of talk online because if you didn't see this, as Naito was coming down the ring for for the IC title match uh, against Taichi, he was attacked by uh, Azuka from uh, Suzuki-gun. Uh, it was not a very vicious attack. It was like a very light ladder shot. And then Azuka just kind of held the ladder over Naito for a little while. Um, when I say a little while, I mean a lot, <laughs> a long while. It was excruciatingly long. Finally, Taichi came down. Uh, and hit his move on Naito onto the ramp as well, which really sold the injury even a little bit more. Um, then he had uh, Taichi slide back into the ring and basically wait, which felt like, I, I don't know how long it was, it was probably 10 minutes, 
maybe five minutes even, but it felt excruciatingly long. It felt like two hours where Taichi's in the middle of the ring. You have doctors coming down and saying, well, Naito can't go. Naito can't go. The crowd's kind of just like buzzing about what the hell's going to happen. You know, Kevin Kelly, I'm, I was listening to English commentary, you know, Kevin Kelly. And uh, I think it was, it was, I forget. Oh, Andy Boy Simmons, of course. Yeah. Uh, was 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 there on commentary with him and and they're both like well I mean Naito's done he's not coming back <laughs> like it's obvious that he's done and so they were kind of building that up eventually Naito does come back he does kind of like the you know shrugging the the, the, the doctors off and and shoving them down to get into the ring and he tells uh, the the chairman of New Japan that no I need to go into the ring I need to do this I'm gonna do this and 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 then they had a pretty good wrestling match it was uh, pretty fun and uh, Naito was I think pretty good at selling his injuries uh, Taichi was good at kind of being the chicken shit heel and and working over the injuries and and doing what he could to get the win and there, there was a lot of really good near falls. And I think the match itself was 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 pretty solid. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, the the pre match stuff is a lot, and and I it, it kind of spurned a debate of like okay or, or spawned a debate I should say of does the pre match stuff count in like when you're talking about a match rating or whatnot, or is it just the bell and then what happens after the bell? Now that's what matters. And and I can see both sides of it. I think with a pre match angle like this that was so important to the story and so important to the match that that you do kind of have to count that in because that, that was definitely part of the match. I mean, that, that, that Azuka, uh destruction at the beginning and Taichi doing his thing, I mean, that, that's part of what they were kind of trying to do there. So I'm led to believe that that is the thing. Like, I, I, I do count that as as, as something, but uh, I, I do count that as... as Yeah, so I, I, I do. I really do think that that deserves to be counted, you know, among the match and, and whatnot. And, and that stuff was bad. I mean, it wasn't good. It went on way too long, like excruciatingly long. And and the problem is they showed a uh, hype video before, which is a pretty fun hype video between Taichi and Naito, which Taichi is a guy who I've never really liked. Uh, but at one point he said, you know, he, he didn't watch uh, Wrestle Kingdom because he was too busy drinking and playing Fire Pro, which uh, is a man of my heart as well. Because that, I mean, I, I would, of course, watch Wrestle Kingdom, but I do like drinking and playing Fire Pro as well. So uh, Taichi is, is is getting some points uh, <laughs> in my world these days with that. But uh, they showed a hype video of a, um, a Ricky Ch- uh, Fujiwara uh, beating down Ricky Choshu at some New Japan show uh, many, many years ago. And Choshu's like a bloody mess, and it's in the crowd, and the crowd's just going nuts. And it looks like this just like unbelievably vicious beatdown. And then you you know jump ahead to this match and it's just like Azuka just like holding a ladder over Naito for like ten minutes and then you know Taichi coming in and hitting his finisher on the ramp and it like did not feel like that big of a beatdown but then Naito's down for like twenty minutes you know I mean he's just sitting and laying and then he needs to get carried out of the ring and then he's just he's in the back and then it's like ten minutes for him to come back out and then it's like five minutes for him to walk down the ring like just this one this stuff went on for way too long and you're looking and watching and you're like all right let's go come on let's go let's get to the match. And, and, you know, either he's not wrestling or he's, he don't, like, I, I understand what they were trying to do. I understand that sort of the angle, but it just, it went excruciatingly too long. And, and it sucks because the match itself was pretty good, but I think it is, it is kind of um, clouded by, by the pre-match stuff. And um, for me, I, I, I still have kind of a love-hate with, with, with Taichi and his whole character. I just, I, I don't love that he looks like a million bucks for weeks in tag matches. He's getting wins, and it feels like he's he's a real guy. Like, he's actually, you know, moving up the ladder and doing some real things. And then he comes out, and then he's kind of the chicken shit again. And he's the guy that needs to cheat to do everything. And he's got everybody interfering for him. Azuka's coming out. Azuka Gun's com- coming out. And, and you know, they're beating him Naito down before the match. And Naito's overcoming all these odds and whatnot. And, and I get that maybe they want to tell the story that Taichi's still just a giant chicken shit. But I, I, I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't like that. I, I, especially in my New Japan main events. I just... I would love Taichi to, to to be that, but then when it's a main event, be a little bit more serious and 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 be a guy who you know we saw the last few weeks was just out there winning matches and 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 looking like a pretty solid wrestler and and they could do stuff with that. I think there's something you could do. I think you can do a chicken shit that also is a good wrestler, but you watch Taichi and most times he's just kind of a, a giant chicken shit and and. and 
I know it's kind of heel heat and whatnot, and they're doing a lot of that already in New Japan. I mean, you got Jay White doing kind of the same thing, and you got you know other guys up and down the card doing that same sort of chicken shit stuff. So I don't know. I don't like it in every. I, I, I don't know. I for Taichi, it just bothers me a little bit. I just want them to pick a lane with Taichi. Is he is he a credible guy or is he just like a, this little chicken shit that gets lucky? Like what is it? And there's times where you're not quite sure, and they maybe sometimes flip flop, you know, between shows or whatnot. So that that's that bothered me a little bit. But but all in all. I saw a lot of negative stuff about this, and, and I don't think it was that bad at all. I think it was actually pretty solid, uh, all things considered. But, uh, yeah, so I, I, I give a thumbs up uh, to the match and to the angle. But uh, I, I totally get when some people did say that they were a little uh, they were a little annoyed by, by the pre-match angle. But, uh, yeah, that's that's my hot take is, like, it was aggressively fine. <laughs> you know, I have no real uh, super issues with that. Uh, move on to uh, New Beginning in Osaka coming up, um, uh, as I said, February 11th. So coming up this weekend. You got uh, Hiroshi Tenzan, Satoshi Kojima, Jushin Thunder Liger versus Suzuki Gun, which is Minoru Suzuki, Azuka, and Takamichinoku. Uh, you got the LIJ team of Evil and Sonata versus Yoshida and Uminu. Uh, LIJ, Bushi, Shingo, and Naito uh, versus El Desperado, Taichi, and Kanemoro. You got Hanma and Yoshihashi versus Chase Owens and Yujiro. That is, uh, that is a match. <laughs> and then, I like this a lot. Girls of Destiny, Tamatonga and Tangaloa versus the most violent players, Togi Makabe and Toru Yano. So just a straight tag match. Uh, between those will be pretty cool. Uh, you got your junior heavyweight championship match, Taiji Ichimori versus Ryusuke Taguchi, Bad Luck Folly versus Okada, and then Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Jay White in your main event for your IWGP heavyweight championship. I am fascinated by that main event. I think there is a pretty good case to be made for Jay White to shock the world uh, at New Beginning, similar to what Okada did many, many years ago at New Beginning and win the title from Tanahashi. Uh, there's also uh, something to be said for Tanahashi retaining and Jay White having to work a little bit longer to get to that point. I, I, I'm kind of a 50-50 on that, man. I have no idea. I don't have a good read for it. We you know, would ask people, and, and, and pretty much we're 50-50 across the board, on people saying White's going to win or Tanahashi's going to win. I've been seeing a little bit more momentum towards Tanahashi as of late, but I'm not ruling it out that Jay White can't go there and win that. I think there's a lot of of, of parallels to the Okada story, um, and and he you know shocked the world and, and, and won the title at New Beginning over Tanahashi many many years ago. So if they want to kind of tell that same tale, uh, they can do that. So I'm fascinated by that match. I think it's gonna be a really good match as well. Uh, the next step for Jay White. Uh, we had some questions about you know how do you think New Japan audiences are reacting to Jay White? I'm gonna get to that in the question portion of the show, but we'll find out here. I think this will be a huge moment for that. Uh, Bad Luck Folly versus Okada, I am not looking forward to because Bad Luck Folly sucks right now. Um, he's been sucking for a while. He obviously doesn't give a shit. He doesn't care. Uh, he, there was a while where he was in like tremendous shape. That's over. Uh, he's got a shirt that says Pin Me Pay Me. Like, it's obvious that he just doesn't give a fuck anymore. Uh, and Okada definitely has his work cut out here to try to get a good match out of Bad Luck Folly. Maybe he's just tanking. Maybe Bad Luck Folly's tanking on purpose and he's going to come out here and have an incredible match, but uh, that hasn't happened in a while, so I'm not betting on that. Uh, and Ishimori and Taguchi really, really has me hyped up because uh, Taguchi is a guy that I, I I hate all the butt stuff. I hate his kind of persona a lot of times. But man, on a, in a big match moment, nobody delivers like Taguchi. I mean, he always, always, always delivers in, in these big junior title matches or at best of the super juniors or whatnot. So I'm really excited to see what he does with Ishimori, who who I love too. So I think that has a chance to be a show stealer. Uh, pretty good. And then Girls of Destiny versus Most Violent Players as well. Togi Makabe and Toru Yano. Uh, hopefully they get another win here and sort of build their momentum uh, towards the tag titles. So, yeah, that's New Beginning in Osaka. We'll have a preview up at uh, VoicesWrestling.com up uh, by the time, uh, probably by the time most of you guys listen to this. But uh, if not, it should be up there pretty soon at VoicesOfWrestling.com. So that is New Beginning uh, in Osaka. Uh, real quickly, I did want to touch on uh, Jordan Devlin, David Starr. There's a promo video on OTT's YouTube page uh, for their upcoming match. 
go out of your way. Pause this. I, I'm fine. Pause this podcast. Don't close out of it. Don't you know? Don't delete it from your podcast app. Like definitely keep it because we have some good stuff. We're gonna get to your listener questions uh, here in a bit. But but stop it. Pause it. Do whatever you're gonna do. Go to OTT over the top wrestling. Uh, go to their YouTube page and watch this Jordan Devlin David Starr promo video. This is without a doubt. Jordan Devlin on Twitter said this is the best hype video since uh, Austin Rock at WrestleMania 17. I don't think he's lying. I think it is. It absolutely is. This is incredible the the from somebody who does video production the video production work is, is is incredible the editing's incredible the lighting is awesome and the story is just so, this is everything i want in pro wrestling right here you got jordan devlin and david Starr. we used to be friends we were both obsessed with beating walter jordan devlin was about to beat walter and david Starr couldn't handle that his his friend was going to beat walter before he beat walter that's it and that's how they're having a match it's relatable it's simple Makes all the sense in the world, but it it, it works. It, that, that's all that I want from processing this video. Just go. I can't even describe. It. Just go to OTT's YouTube page. As I said, pause this. I'll put a link in the in the show description as well. If you if you don't want to do that, S- pause this and watch that, and come back. And that is what I want out of pro wrestling. That is everything that I think pro wrestling can be in 2019, and everything everything that I think pro wrestling should be in 2019. It's real. They're human beings, and they have a reason to fight. And the reason to fight is human. It's not Ricky Martinez beating up Cota Brazil in a bar and gouging his eye out so they're going to have a wrestling match. Now, I believe that these guys are going to go out there and have a wrestling match because these guys don't hate each other. They don't, they're not going out there and, and, and you know, Jordan Devlin didn't light David Starr on fire and, and David Starr is just going to go out there and say, okay, well, now I'm going to grapple with you to prove that I'm better. Like, but they want to prove that they're better to each other so that they can have a normal wrestling match. This is what I'm saying. When, when you do these sort of feuds that are built on, on, on just jealousy and, and, and feuds built on, on, on realistic things, then, then you can have a match that's back and forth. That, that's, that, that, that's that sort of thing. But if you build it on, I shut a bazooka at you, or I lit you on fire with a flamethrower or whatnot, then you can't go out there and have a wrestling match. You know I mean, you can't just go out there and have a grapple fest. You can't go out there and try to beat somebody with a submission move. You know, if you, if you, if you, I got gouged out at a nightclub, like you're not going to go, okay, dude, let's, let's settle this with a wrestling match. Like, no, you're going to, you're going to settle that with a fight. And, and you can do that. You can do those sort of builds, but they need to be fights. This is not going to be a fight in that sense. This is going to be two guys, two former best friends, two guys that I think still, at least you can tell from the videos, still have some, you know, some positive thoughts about the other guy. They really do think highly of the other guy. They just want to prove that they are the better wrestler of the two. Jordan Devlin wants to prove that he is better than David Starr. David Starr wants to prove that he should have been the one to beat Walter before Jordan Devlin did. He wants to prove that he was the better of the two friends. That's it. That's all it is. But you'll watch this video and you'll be frothing at the fucking mouth to watch this match. So pause, stop this podcast, do whatever you're going to do. Go to OTT's YouTube page or go to the the, the link in, in the description of this video or the, uh, this podcast and watch that hype video. Watch it. And, and, and that is everything that I want out of pro wrestling right there. That is everything that I love about pro wrestling and everything that I think pro wrestling should be in 2019. It's realism. It's real people doing real things but ramped up to 10, and it gets you excited about seeing a wrestling match between these two guys. And it didn't need a bunch of bullshit. It didn't need fake pregnancies and, and fireballs and barbed wire and, and, and a bunch of bullshit. It's just two dudes that used to be friends that aren't friends anymore, and they want to settle it. We've all been there. We've all had competition between friends. We've all been jealous when friends have done stuff before we've done it. Whether it be, you know, they dated somebody that you wanted to date. 
they were better than you at a, at a sport that you thought you should have been better than them at. They beat you in video games and you got pissed about it. We've all been there. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I just <laughs> maybe I'm just maybe I just suck and I have friends that are better than me and stuff. But no, I think we've all been there, and, and it's super relatable and just super incredible. So go out of your way, Jordan Devlin, David Star promo video, OTT's YouTube page or the link in the description. Go watch it. I wish they would pay me to talk about this because I really do. I this is you know everybody talks about co-op like I'm here you know I'll, I'll I'll definitely I'll get paid to be co-opt but OTC didn't pay me for this one. I wish they did because I could talk about it all day but they didn't pay me. Mint Mobile did. Mint Mobile did pay us. We're gonna get to that in a sec. But uh, so that's it for the news and notes portion of the show. Um, let's get to the questions. But first. I do want to let you know that this episode of the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast is sponsored by our new friends at Mint Mobile. And there are a lot of things in life that aren't right. Carpet and showers, eating dip with your fingers, chunky style milk, and paying too much for your phone bill. Now that's just not right. But thanks to Mint Mobile, you don't have to overpay for wireless anymore. They reimagined the wireless shopping experience and made it easy and online only, which means they can pass significant savings directly to you. And for a limited time, they're offering two months free when you buy your first month, that's $20 total for three months of wireless service. We'll get to that in a second, but I do want to let you know that uh, I was able to kind of switch and, and, and try out Mint Mobile for uh, a month or so. And I got to say, I, I really did enjoy it. It was super easy. The, the process was as simple as can be. They send you a SIM card, you put it in, and it's ready to go. I mean, that that's all there is to it. And then you stop paying so much for wireless. And, you know, I, I was before paying, you know, $90 to $100 every single month, depending on if I had gotten a new phone or whatnot. And it was just too much. It's just ridiculous. I don't need to be paying that much for wireless. I got things I got to pay for. I got, you know, Big Japan Wrestling Core. Just read. I got to. I got to get that. You know what I mean? There, there's all Japan TV. Like there's stuff I'd rather spend my money on. Wrestling things that I'd rather spend my money on uh, instead of giving all that money to you know those other phone companies. So uh, this was a really good uh, idea. I know Joe did the same thing as well. Uh, you know, testing out Mint Mobile and giving it a try. So yeah, we both tried it. We both can give our thumbs up on it. And uh, yeah, you should definitely uh, try it as well because you're going to save big money with this. But uh, let's get to the deal that we mentioned before. This amazing deal. That I, that I mentioned before. It's here for only a limited time. $20 total gets you three months of wireless service with eight gigabytes of 4G LTE data each month, plus unlimited nationwide talk and text. All you have to do, you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan, keep your old phone number, as well as all your existing contacts. Uh, Mint Mobile runs the nation's fastest and most advanced LTE network. And if you're not 100% satisfied, Mint Mobile has you covered with their seven-day money-back guarantee. Take advantage of Mint Mobile's amazing deal before it's gone. Pay just $20 for your first month of wireless and get another two months for free by going to mintmobile.com VOW. That's mintmobile.com. Dot com slash VOW to get three months of premium service for just $20. Mintmobile.com slash VOW. All right, thank you again to Mint Mobile for uh, sponsoring this episode of the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. So let's get to your questions. I'll do as many as I can. Um, all right. First one comes from Andrew Rich at Andrew T. Rich. Of course, Andrew Rich hosts the uh, Music of the Mat podcast right here on the Voice of Wrestling flagship podcast. Did an episode this week about the four horsewomen, so definitely want to go out of your way to listen to that episode. Really, really good one. Uh, I enjoyed it quite a lot. Uh, Andrew asks, do you have a favorite botch? 
Uh, it could be one you saw live or on tape. Well, I can give you two. Uh, live, uh, I was there at Money in the Bank 2011 when Randy Orton uh, really tried many times uh, to put Christian through a table via the, the, the RKO, and it just didn't work. And, and I remember watching it. It actually kind of worked. And that's why I think it's one of my favorite botches is because like it happened the one time and he didn't go through the table. Uh, then he tried it again and he didn't go through the table. And Orton was just like, fuck it. I'm going back up the ramp. I'm done. And then he must have gotten some word that they really, really, really wanted him to go through the table. So then he goes, ah, oh, fuck. And he kind of laughs. And he gets back there and he puts him through the table again. And finally, he does actually go through the table, I think, the third time. Uh, and that was an awesome botch, too. Because you know that they wanted it just to happen once. Um, and then when it didn't happen, you could tell Randy Orton was kind of just like, motherfucker, are you kidding? This table didn't break. These tables always fucking break. These tables break when we want them to break. How the hell did this not happen? And then he goes to the second one and it doesn't break. And then he's just like, fuck it. I don't care. He just goes to the back and then he comes back up and goes, okay, this motherfucking table better break. And then it finally does. And, and it actually worked. It was like an organic moment in WWE that you so very, you know, very often do not see. Uh, so I, I enjoyed that. I don't know if it counts necessarily as as, as an all-in-all botch, but it, it's got to be. I mean, the idea was him to go through the table, and it took three RKOs before he went through the table. So uh, definitely worked out pretty well there. So that's my favorite one that I saw live. Um, my favorite one on tape. I, I got to go with the Shockmaster, to be honest. I mean, that's something that, like, I, I have buddies who, who don't even watch wrestling that when I showed them that, they loved it, and they would just laugh. There was a time, I, th- I remember us doing like a sleepover sometime in like 8th grade or, or, or something, where we just watched the Shockmaster video like three hours straight and picked up like, oh my god, this time he does this, or oh my god, you know, noticing him tripping more each and every time, and noticing, you know, Sid Vicious trying not to laugh, and like, you know, the hype for it, and the, the explosion, and the oh, oh no, oh no, you know, it's just like, oh my god, there's so much stuff in Flair, and Bulldog, and oh my god, the, the, the Shockmaster video, that's the gift that just keeps on giving. So that's definitely my favorite botch of all time, is the Shockmaster debut, because it's just so built up, and you know, our partner's gonna shock the world, because he is, none other than the Shockmaster! Like, even when the Shockmaster comes out, you're like, that would've sucked! Like, even if he blew through that thing, it would've sucked even more, but then he falls over, oh my god, he's wearing the, the, the Stormtrooper helmet, like, what the fuck is the Shockmaster? Like, what the hell is going on? And then, you know, he eventually he became, like, a union electrician or something like that later on his WCW career, but, no, the, the, the Shockmaster botch is an all-timer, and definitely my favorite uh, of all time. Mostly because nobody really got hurt, uh, except for the, the pride of one Fred Ottman, but, uh, I think he's he's made the most of it, you know, as of late. So, uh, thank you, Andrew, for the question. Thomas uh, at Wrestling Ratings asked, "Did you watch Violent Giants and Strong BJ? And if yes, what were your thoughts?" So, I did watch the Violent Giants uh, Strong BJ match, and uh, I thought it was good. Uh, maybe not to the level that some other people really really enjoyed it. I mentioned that I was super distracted. I think I mentioned this on the flagship uh, last week that I was super distracted when I watched it. I've not had a chance to go back and watch it because we've been busy with some other stuff. Uh, but I'm hoping to, hope, you know, sometime in the next few weeks, go back and, and, and really rewatch it uh, because some people have it as like match of the year level and one of the best matches of, of the last, you know, handful of years and whatnot and one of the best tag matches you'll ever see. Uh, and I didn't get that vibe from it initially. So I do want to go back and watch it to just see if I missed something or if those people are out to lunch. So uh, I enjoyed Violent BJ's. Uh, Violent BJ's. <laughs> Good Lord. Those aren't good. Violent BJ's aren't fun. Violent Giants, Strong BJ. Uh, I saw it, I enjoyed it, but maybe not to the level that other people enjoyed it, so I do want to go back and, and, and just one more time and make sure that I'm not the outlier um, and that maybe I, you know, my thoughts stay and then the people that are saying it's one of the best matches they've seen in a long time, maybe those people are the outlier. But uh, I enjoyed it, definitely worth your time, definitely a solid match. When I, when I say that I, I didn't love it to the same level, like I'm still at like four, four and a quarter with it, but um, I've seen some people at five stars, four and four and three quarters or whatnot. So I just want to watch it one more time to make sure I'm not missing something or didn't quite work for me. So, uh, Thomas, thank you for uh, for the question. 
All right, Kevin, at Avalanche Style, you ask, are New Japan crowds reacting to Jay White the way they should be? Admittedly, haven't watched shows leading up to New Beginning, but the way uh, the air got sucked out of the building when he beat Okada really didn't seem like a positive to me, even though uh, it was a surprise win by a heel. Uh, Kevin, I think the crowds are reacting how they should. I, I think you want that sort of shock and the, oh my God, I can't believe he just did that. And, oh my God, he just beat Okada. I think that sort of, not necessarily a boo, but like a, oh, like, uh, just, you know, like you said, the air got sucked out of the building. I think that's a positive, and, and we'll find out. Like, if this new beginning in, in, in Osaka show sells terribly, um, then we'll know that maybe the crowds aren't reacting very well to Jay White. Maybe they, they're not buying into it, but there's no evidence of that quite yet. The, the evidence really shows um, that they've been in to, to Jay White and all he's been doing so far. So um, I'm led to believe everything's been fine so far. I think he's getting genuine heel heat. Um, but the real test is going to be at the box office. If people buy tickets and, and, and go to see him get his ass kicked and, and go to see him in these main events, then, then it is working and they are reacting properly. Um, so that, that'll be the big test. And I think, uh, Osaka, I think we'll find out in a few days, um, how the crowds are sort of reacting to him and if, if it is positive, because I think it is. I like the air getting sucked out of the building. I like the heel heat that he's getting. I like that people are, are genuinely annoyed by him, um, and I think that's good because New Japan, they, they, it's tough to be, you know, a true heel in that company, and and he's doing it, and he's a heel all across the world. Even American fans hate him, you know, Japanese fans hate him or whatnot. So I, I like it so far, and I think it's been a positive, and I think they're reacting the right way. But we'll find out in a few days. I think the the, the ticket sales uh, and how well that Osaka show does uh, will tell us a lot about how the crowd uh, thinks about Jay White and and how to use Jay White uh, moving forward. So uh, I, I'm thumbs up right now, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see in a few days. All right, Lee, at Malone713, also a Voice of Wrestling contributor, uh, asks, uh, if you were the Young Bucks and Cody, do you show up anywhere during WrestleMania weekend? Uh, and on a related topic with the news that Randy Orton may or may not have an offer on the table from AEW, do you think he could have a Chris Jericho-like resurgence, or is he too set in his ways? Uh, Rick, real quickly, I'll answer the first question. I think the Young Bucks and Cody should absolutely show up uh, at something for WrestleMania weekend. What that is, I don't know. And that's going to be a matter of what relationships they have. You know, they, they obviously probably are not going to show up on an MSG show uh, with New Japan and Ring of Honor. Um, I don't know. I think they should show up some way, uh, you know, whether it be a press conference, whether it just be some sort of public thing, whether they're, they show up on, on some random indie show. I think they need to be there in, in some way, shape, or form. And that's going to be a huge time for them to – they cannot let, you know, the wrestling universe be – they can't not be a part of the conversation during WrestleMania weekend. That's probably the better way to say it. They need to be involved in some way, shape, or form. So they have to show up on something. I don't know what it is right now. You know, looking at the different shows, I don't know what they can do. You know, there's some rumors about maybe they're, they're, they're aligned with DDT. Maybe they show up on a DDT show. The problem is that DDT is sort of kind of aligned with WWN. So that would have been weird if, like, All Elite shows up on a WWN slash Evolve larger company WWE thing. Like, that That seems really bizarre. Like, that's probably not going to happen. I bet they show up on like the truly independent stuff. Maybe uh, WrestleCon. Maybe they do something like that, or they, maybe they do their own thing. Maybe they just show up uh, and do a presser, and that's it. Or, or I don't know. The, the sky's the limit. And that's the cool thing about them is that they can really show up just about anywhere, and they can do just about anything they want in WrestleMania weekend. But it, they, they need to be there. They absolutely one hundred percent have to be there in some way, shape, or form, and be a part of that conversation that entire weekend. In the biggest wrestling weekend of the year, they need to be there and they need to be doing something there. But uh, your second, uh, real quick, I'll get on that the Randy Orton thing. Uh, I. Don't think he's going to have a Chris Jericho-like uh, resurgence or renaissance. I think Orton is there to get more money from WWE, and I think that entire AEW thing is just him building leverage on his own. I don't think Randy Orton wants to go anywhere. He knows that the company loves him. He knows that he's Teflon in that company. The man should have been fired years ago. <laughs> you know, when you look at the suspensions and, and drug tests and whatnot, they went 
out of their way to make sure, oh, no, that was a, an earlier test. That one doesn't count. These ones count. Or, oh, no, three strikes. Well, we, we took one strike away because he got suspended for one. Like, just these hoops that they jumped through to keep him there. He's not going anywhere. And and all this thing is, I think, is leverage. I think he's using AEW. Maybe they're, they're, they're fine with it, too. You know, I, I think I've heard that that, that Randy Orton and, and Cody go back a while and they were buddies. And there might be a thing where, you know, Cody simply said, hey, man, I can, I can help you out. You want some more money from WWE? Just say you got an offer from us. It's cool. Like, we know you're not coming here. We know you don't want to leave. But, yeah, get some more money. Do some more stuff for you. So, I, I, I think that's where Randy Orton's at. I don't think he's going to have a Chris Jericho-like resurgence. I don't think he has the, the, the... I don't know that he really has the the tenacity for it. I don't know if he really wants that. I don't know if he really has the drive for it. I think he's perfectly fine doing what he's doing. Coming out there, lifting his arms in the air, throwing some RKOs, walking to the back, and cashing his checks. I think he is perfectly fine with that. Uh, and I don't blame him. He's been able to do that for a while. And, and as I said, he's Teflon in that company. So I would not leave if I was Randy Orton. I would definitely uh, stay as long as I can. And I think all he's doing is, is trying to just build up some leverage and get some extra money from, from WWE uh, as a result of an AEW contract. But more power to him. That's a good idea. He should be doing that. That's what everybody should be doing. That's why competition is good. That's why competition is great in this marketplace. Because it's great for wrestlers to say, hey, I got, I got an offer from those guys. You know, Even if you do or not. You know, you can have even call those guys and say, hey, I have no real, I really don't want to stay with, I don't really want to go to you guys. I obviously like being in WWE, but can you just send me an offer so I can get more money? If they're buddies, they say, yeah, sure. Fuck it. There you go. There's a contract. We know you're going to sign it. Hey, if you sign it, if WWE says fuck off, leave, then yeah, we'll, we'll definitely welcome you. I mean, of course, all elite wrestling would, would welcome Randy Orton with open arms. But if he just wants to stay in WWE and wants to get more money, that's where, where AEW can be perfect. So competition, people. We talked about this before. It's not about winning the Monday Night Wars. It's not about beating them in TV ratings. It's not about that shit. It's about wrestlers having leverage. Competition in the marketplace raises the bar for everybody. And this Randy Orton thing is a perfect fucking example of it. Is Randy Orton being able to say, hey, I have a contract offer. Or the, the Revival saying, hey, fuck it, we want to leave and we want to go all elite. And now they're getting pushed like they've never been pushed before. Yo, Andrade saying, ah, you know, I'm not really happy here. Pushed like he's never been pushed before. Yeah? <laughs> it's not It's not wild. This is what competition does. It's not about beating them in the ratings on Monday Night Wars. It's not putting them out of business. It's not about Bischoff winning 83 weeks of it. Competition is just another player in the marketplace. And a all elite is obviously competition to them. So... You know, Ring of Honor has built themselves up to be competition. That's what competition is, people, is this sort of stuff going on. So, anyway, thank you, Lee, for the question. All right, the Super Jcast, another great podcast here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, asks, uh, where do you, where would you like to see Kitamura end up? Yeah, in case you didn't see that, Kitamura, the uh, the monster uh, young lion from uh, New Japan, is officially parted ways with the company. Uh, we weren't sure exactly what his injury was. We heard rumors that he had got some head trauma, that he had concussions. Uh, some people said that his leg got crushed by a motorcycle accident. I don't know that we've ever even gotten the official word uh, quite yet with went on with him, but anyway, he's done. Uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, and presumably uh, a free agent on the market, and presumably still wants to uh, wrestle. So, where does he end up? I mean, personally, I think Dragon Gate would be fucking great for for him. I guess I'll say fucking. I say fucking too many times. Reel that in. Dragon Gate would be really good for him. I think he should go to Dragon Gate. But uh, no, I I think you know adding another power guy to to Dragon Gate, I think would would be huge, and I think he'd fit in well uh, w- w- with their style of wrestling. I think really anywhere. Kitsamore is a guy that I think has superstar potential. And, and we saw it, him really starting to put things together uh, his final few months in New Japan. So I'd really like to see him, uh, what he can do. I'd really, really like to see him go out there and, and, and be with a company and get a big moment. Because I think, I think he can be good. He's got a million-dollar look. 
and you know he's he's obviously uh, barring other than whatever his injuries were maybe he doesn't have that look anymore i haven't seen any recent photos of him i know that he's posting stuff on instagram but some people have said those are older photos so i don't know maybe he's like skinny as hell now and he's like 180 pounds or whatnot doesn't have that same look i'm led to believe given uh given the way kitamura looked before that he probably is as big as he was before uh and if that's the case i think he can go anywhere he can go to all japan and, and be a huge asset there. He can go to Noah and be a big asset there. I think Dragon Gate fits him best, his style of work, uh, and he'd be a, a superstar in that company given given his size. So I would go there, but I really think anywhere. So so put put me down for All Japan or uh, Dragon Gate as my one two. I think Noah would be a really cool fit for him as well. So um, really any of those, any of those three. I just want to see him end up somewhere. I just want to see him back in the ring uh, doing stuff. Is is because you know I think he can be a, a pretty big deal. So. So that's it. Uh, thank you very much for the question there. Uh, Jack, at Double Cross King, you ask, if you're in All Elite Wrestling shoes and there's no J- New Japan relationship uh, for the new future, uh, do you s- start partnering with more Japanese companies other than OWE uh, in the short term or refrain in order to remain in New Japan's good graces in 2020 and beyond? Um, that's an interesting question. Yeah, do you just kind of sit out Japan right now and you know sort of try to build that relationship back or do you do go and, and work with another company. My, my idea would be go work with another company. You know, don't worry about New Japan right now. If you're successful and you're doing good stuff, they're going to come crawling. You know, they're going to come calling you if, if, if they want a part of the action and they want to be a part of it. You know what I mean? Like, do, do your thing. You know, be successful. Be awesome. You know, sell out arenas around, all around North America. You know, work with uh, DDT or whatnot and, and, and sell stuff out in, New, in Japan. Like, New Japan will come crawling. Like, they, they, that's, you know, <laughs> it's not about burning bridges. If, if They're not going to burn a bridge with a company that, that is successful in, in that way. I mean, they're, they're going to do whatever they can to get a part of that success. So I say go ahead, do whatever you're going to do, and worry about the future in the future. You know, th- this is, you know, sh- again, I mentioned it with Jericho and Omega. Strike while the iron's hot. If, if, you, if DDT wants to work with you and you guys are going to do shit all around Japan and all around America... And, and sell out arenas and be a big deal and, and, and take some of that audience away from New Japan, they'll come crawling eventually. So, so yeah, I, I, I don't worry about being in their good graces. I worry about being successful, first and foremost, and, and then sort of worry about the rest later. So I would say go ahead. Get a relationship with, with whoever. You know, get, get a relationship with um, DDT, I, I think, is the one that a lot of people have mentioned and I think would be a pretty good relationship for them is to do some stuff with DDT. So, yeah, go ahead, do that, and worry about New Japan when New Japan's ready to have a discussion about this or when New Japan's ready to sort of work with it. So that's my thoughts on that. Uh, thank you very much, Jake, for the question. G- uh, the Gifts of Jericho asks, uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, what is your excitement level for WrestleMania weekend? Well, I'm going, so I'm a 10, man. <laughs> I haven't been to a WrestleMania weekend ever, so I am 100% a 10. Uh, we're going to be doing some previews here at uh, Voice of Wrestling over the next few months, kind of getting us hyped up for it as, as cards come out and, and more events get announced. But I'm at a 10, man, because I've never been to a WrestleMania weekend. Uh, to this level, uh, I went to uh, WrestleMania many, many years ago. Um, I was in Chicago, but like never like the full on weekend or whatnot. So yeah, I'm fucking, I'm, I'm real hyped up. I just said I wasn't gonna say fucking, and I just did. Uh, I'm real hyped up because I'm gonna be there. And it's gonna be awesome to, to see all the people that that you know, people that write for the website, people that I talk to on Twitter, people that listen to this show, and then going to see these shows live and going to just see some different stuff and Bloodsport. I really want to go to and DDT. I get to see live and Kaiju Big Battle for the first time. I get to see live and. Uh, ROH in New Japan in Madison Square Garden. I've never been to Madison Square Garden. I'm just so hyped up to do that. So, so I'm in. I'm, I'm at a 10 out of 10 for, for excitement level for WrestleMania weekend. And I think a lot of the events look fun. And it's going to be a huge wrestling weekend. And the wrestling world is so bizarre and weird right now that, yeah, I think there's there's going to be some really fun stuff that happens from the weekend. So, so I'm at a 10 out of 10 there. So, 
All right, uh, Benjamin Slack, at Slack Benjamin, you ask, uh, with the rise of AEW and the decline of promotions like Evolve and PWG, are we seeing the death of the Super Indie? Uh, yeah, Super Indies are dead for now. Uh, we knew that was going to kind of happen. It maybe lasted a little bit longer than we thought, but they're dead. They're gone for now. <laughs> I mean, there's there's just no way. I mean, with so many tentacles out there, with so many big companies, with the Ring of Honor trying to grow, All Elite trying to grow in the marketplace, WWE uh, doing you know different NXT satellite companies and, and NXT itself, Super News are dead. There's no way you're ever going to be able to say, hey, we have a collection of 20 dudes that rock, or oh my God, look at this incredible show that we have with all these top guys. Like Those guys are just going to get plucked and picked by the bigger companies. So yeah, the Super Indie is dead, unfortunately. We knew that was going to happen, and we knew it was only a matter of time, so we had to kind of enjoy it in the moment, and and I feel like I got the most out of it when it was around, and I'm, I'm excited for this new chapter in wrestling as well, but uh, Super Indie is dead. There will be new guys that come up, and there will be new guys that sort of come up and, and rise and, 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 and gain steam and gain momentum, but them sort of floating around for the time being is not going to last because they're going to get plucked up by Ring of Honor. They're going to get plucked up by All Elite. They're going to get plucked up by New Japan trying to do their U.S. expansion. They're going to get plucked up by WWE trying to build NXT uh, in, in the United States proper and then trying to build up NXT in, in all these different countries as well. So, yeah, the Super Indie is dead, but um, eh, it had a good run. We all had our little little fun with it, so... All right, Oliver Reading Glasses at Sam Dewhurst 3S. Could uh, AEW one day do a G1 Climax style tournament, or is 19 shows in a month unworkable in the USA? I, I, I'm led to believe that it is unworkable in the USA because where are you doing these shows? Are you traveling just in one state? Are you staying in one city? The idea of bouncing around to do 19 shows in a month or you know 19 shows over the course of a month and a half. It's just tough. I mean, where are you going to go? You're going to do one in Chicago, the next day in St. Louis. Like, that's a hell of a grind to, to do that. The next day you're going to, what, Kansas City? Or you're just, like, in Japan it's a little bit easier. Just get on a bus and, and do a show in one place and a show in the other place and whatnot. And, like, it's not, the travel isn't that ridiculous. The travel in America would be ridiculous. So unless you want to pay a shit ton of money in flights, uh, you're going to really, 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 I, I just, yeah, I, I don't think you're ever going to see that. I think you could see a tournament where, like, over the course of a month, they have eight shows in a month or whatever, or, you know, every Friday and every Saturday, they do double shots in a town or whatnot, and that sort of the tournament. You could do that, but the idea of, like, this weekly, every day for a month and a half grind thing with a few days off in between, I mean, that that just won't happen. I think Japan is about the only place that can make that happen um, well, or maybe in, like, you know, Mexico could maybe do it a little bit, but... Yeah, you would have to do it in like almost one city in America, and I don't think any one city is going to be able to watch like you know nineteen shows from the same company uh, and support them the entire way. So no, I I don't think it would really work um, uh, here in America. So, all right, Anders Vilster uh, asks uh, with NXT UK running shows, what do you think will happen with the UK Europe based promotions that have partnered with WWE? Um, yeah, I think they're going to kind of get swallowed up here. Um, I don't know. It, it all depends on what the competition is. I mean, we all know that WWE only really does stuff when pushed to do it. And, you know, XUK was, in large ways, a response to uh, World of Sports on ITV. And now that that's sort of cooled down, it's kind of a response now to all elite wrestling and just the general wrestling landscape. Um, I think those UK Europe based promotions, I think will, I think they'll do okay in the short term, depending on what happens in the future. If all elite you know, starts kind of plucking talent from the UK or they run a show in Europe or they run a show in, in, in the United Kingdom, then I think you see NXT UK ramp up a little bit. Maybe they they pluck all those guys from those promotions or whatnot. But I think right now they're just kind of treading water with NXT UK and just doing just barely enough. And 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 without, you know, a real strong competitor in the field and a real strong competitor in Europe, they have no need to really completely destroy these other promotions and, 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 and you know, 
and 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 take all their top talents and just use them for NXT UK. I mean, right now they're NXT UK is like stars and scrubs. It's your top guys from some of these top European promotions, and then your scrubs, your Jags, as as Joe likes to say on the TV reviews. So I think they're fine for now. But if anybody starts coming up in that marketplace, if anybody starts running shows again in Europe and the UK or whatever, I think you'll see them sort of grab a lot more from those promotions. I think that's all it is. They're, those promotions are there, and they're operating separately to just be there for whenever WWE does need to pluck them and does need to use them. But there's no need for to do it right now. So I don't know if that answers your question. Like I think it's they're there and they're they're partners or whatnot, and and, and everything is fine and yay and happy and good lucky. But like at one point, I think that they will probably pluck from those guys and maybe even destroy those promotions when they need to but right now there's no need to i think that there's a point where they might look like current day evolve but right now they look like evolve from like a year and a half ago where it's like yeah we're related to you and yeah we're gonna maybe use some of your talent but you know you guys can keep kind of doing your own thing and we'll keep doing our own thing but anytime a competitor gets in the marketplace again then i think they're gonna take a little bit more from those companies as well and maybe even you know destroy them ultimately so we'll see all right, Robert Van Daminator, you ask, uh, what are Jeff Jarrett's greatest swindles? Whoops, I meant business decisions. Global Force Wrestling, AAA Champ, etc. Um, oh man, there's so much to choose from from the greatest businessman of all time. Uh, I I still contend that like <laughs> Global Force. Okay, so there was the Global Force seminars, which were incredible. Like Jeff Jarrett getting paid to go to indie shows to run quote seminars or, or tryouts or whatever. It's a great swindle. Uh, that one I don't think is an all timer though. I think the all-timer for me is being able to promote Wrestle Kingdom for no earthly reason. Like, New Japan saying, yes, Jeff Jarrett, take some of our money to put this on pay-per-view. Put Wrestle Kingdom on pay-per-view. They could have just done that on their own. Like, why did they not just do that on their own? Why didn't they just contact somebody? Why didn't they just have, like, a Rocky Romero type work out the deals? Why did they need to go to Jeff Jarrett and Global Force Wrestling to do it? It's just, that is, to me, the most bizarre one ever. I was like, why? I, I still, this day, don't understand how Jeff Jarrett and Global Force pulled that off. But they did. Uh, another recent swindle? The stuff with WWE. I mean, he is an agent with WWE now. This is a guy who held Vince McMahon up for money. <laughs> the day of a show. And, and he's back. You know? And, and and there was a time where it felt like he was never going to be back. When 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 WWE bought WCW, he was he was G-O, you know, double N-E. He was gone or whatever. And, and like, and that was it. Like, you, you thought, oh, shit, that's it. Like, and then he went and formed TNA. He formed a competition. He formed a competition with WWE in the form of NWA TNA and used the money that he held at McMahon for to to to, op- to run that. And I guess Vince found that admirable because he hired him back. I think that's the greatest swindle is, is this current one that, that he's he's back in WWE and he's an agent now after really showing no success at anything whatsoever uh, in the time and ever. <laughs> ever. He's never done anything. He's never but he's, he's, he's just great at moving on to the next thing. Greatest businessman of all time. All right, Andrew Daniels, you ask, uh, where will Ambrose sign and how much does it matter? I think it matters a lot. Uh, I don't know where it's going to sign. Like, I don't want to do that. I'm getting kind of sick of like, hey, this guy is unhappy. He's going to go to AWE. Like, he's going to go to All Elite Wrestling. Like, I don't know. I I, I don't know where his next step is going to be, but he does matter because I think Ambrose is still a star. And it's going to, but I think I'll add a little caveat. It's going to matter depending on how much Ambrose wants it to matter. If Ambrose wants to to be free of WWE and prove that he's an incredible wrestler, that he's a star, and he goes out there and kills it at Ring of Honor, he goes out and kills it with New Japan, he goes out and kills it with All Elite Wrestling, he goes out and kills it on the indies, like, yeah, then then obviously it's going to matter a lot. If he goes out there and he does a Jack Swagger-type run where it's obvious that the passion's gone and he doesn't really care anymore, then it won't matter. So so kind of a, a cop-out answer in a way, but I think it matters how much Ambrose wants it to matter and how much he really wants it to be an important thing. So I don't know where he's going to sign. I, I I think All Elite is, is a great landing spot for him, but I think Ring of Honor is as 
as likely as well. I mean, a lot of people are giving out big money, and I think he just really wants an opportunity to prove that he's good and, and have some stuff that he can sink his teeth into. So I don't think it matters where he signs. Uh, he can just do the Indies. He can do a tour of the Indies, too. I just think he wants to prove to the world that that he still has it. But uh, I don't know. We'll be, I'll be interested to see if he does still have it. And and if he does, it'll be a lot. But, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens there. But, uh, all right, at uh, RBX2000, you ask, given the uptick in Ring of Honor's recruitment policy, who's uh, your predicted and preferred choice to take the belt off of Jay Lethal. I say Marty Scroll. I say at the uh, MSG show, Marty Scroll goes out there. He beats Jay Lethal for the title. I know Marty Scroll is probably only going to be there for another six months or whatnot. And then he's going to waltz into All Elite, but I don't give a shit. This guy's a star. He has some cachet with those All Elite fans. You need those fans still to kind of build Ring of Honor and buy tickets. I say Marty Scroll beats Jay Lethal at MSG. He has a, a great five month run with the Reign. And in that time, you're building the next guy. You're building the guy from underneath. And whenever it's ready to go, whether it's a Jeff Cobb, whether it's... I, I don't know who it is. I don't know who it is off the top of my head. Maybe a Jeff Cobb type. Maybe... I, I don't know. <laughs> maybe it's Brody King. I don't know. That, that's up to Ring of Honor to decide. But whoever that guy is, I need that guy built up like a million bucks in the next five years, or the next five years, next five months or whatever. And when Marty's on his way out, I want whoever that guy is that that we know is ready to take over for Ring of Honor, I want him to just beat Marty Scroll in the middle of the ring. And then you've built up this five-month title reign from Marty Scroll or whatever. He's been a world beater for five months. And now that next guy beats him. Marty Scroll's on his way out. This next guy is the new face of Ring of Honor. I think that's the way to book it. That's kind of the pro saying one one way to book it. But I'd say don't fuck around with it. Have Marty win the title at, at MSG. Have that huge moment you know, in, in, a, in a big-time spot at Madison Square Garden. And then build up Marty. Even though you know he's leaving, that's perfect. That means you have X amount of time to build him up and X amount of time to build a guy underneath from him. But that's what I would do with Ring of Honor. I think that's a the perfect plan for them. Marty went in MSG, build him up, and then that next guy beats him, you know, when Marty's on the way out, whether it be a Cobb, whether it be a Brody King, whether it be a Flip Gordon, whoever you want to be. But the 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 key is building that next guy up because you cannot let Marty be a world beater with the title, win the title, and then just lose and then move on. You know, he loses it to Jay Lethal or he loses it to Jay Briscoe or whoever. You can't have that. You got to have that next guy ready to go. And when he beats Marty, he's the new guy. Marty's on the way out. He's old news. See you later. Sayonara, buddy. And it's the next guy. That next guy needs to be the important one there. So that's what I would do there. Uh, Jeremy, uh, at Bad Chemicals, you ask anyone in WWE you think needs to leave and go to Japan. Doesn't matter the promotion. Personally, Rusev. I'm with you, Rusev, for sure. 100% Rusev. Um Another guy too. I'll give you another name. Uh, Big E. I think Big E is a guy who I think could do some incredible stuff. Uh, if he was sort of devoid of that promotion or he left that promotion, I think he's a great wrestler. The problem though was with Rusev and Big E. We don't know that they would translate on the Indies as much. I mean, these are guys that are developmental dudes. Like I, I feel like they could, and I feel like they should, and I feel like they will. But, but there is that 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 little thought in the back of my mind that's like these are these are guys that have always known this WWE lifestyle, and there might come a time where where you know when they leave that we think that they're going to just hit the ground running and be ready to go in Japan and ready to go in the Indies, but not everybody is. It's a tough transition for, period for a lot of people, and it swallows up a lot of guys as well. I mean, we thought the same thing about Damien Sandow, and you know he was there and gone in, in, in no time. Uh, we thought the same thing about uh, you know a Jack Swagger type, and he was just gone in no time and, and really had no passion for it. Uh, guys sometimes don't hit the ground running. Sometimes guys stumble out of the gates, and it, it, it's hard to adjust uh, to that sort of new lifestyle and a new thing away from WWE. So I think Rusev and Big E are my number one picks to, to, to leave and, and, and go do bigger and better things. But um, I don't know. It, it's always tough to say, and, and, and I can't be certain that those guys are going to hit the ground running and be incredible once they do leave. So um, we'll see. But uh, yeah, Rusev and Big E, I think, would be my two picks. Big E in particular, I think, would, would, would just be awesome. Uh, in Japan, but I think Rusev. When you when you mention with the when you add in with in Japan, I think Rusev would probably have 
bigger standing in Japan, but I don't know. I think Big E would be a big deal too uh, in Japan. Um, so yeah, I, I would definitely say those two guys are the two I think should uh, should 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 leave and go to Japan and, and or go anywhere really, and and I think would really really improve their uh, their stock. Uh, all right, Gus Caldwell, you ask, uh, thoughts on the rumors of a coalition between Russell One, All Japan, and Noah? Some mouth-watering prospects there. I love it, man. You know, if 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 you can't beat New Japan individually, get together and and, and bound together and go out there and, and and do it. And 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 I think they don't have to be one company. You know, they can all be different. But on these, have these big shows every so often at Budokan Hall, at Tokyo Dome, or whatever, and have these big shows with all three of your companies together, and and any sort of, I mean, this is what New Japan, not New Japan, what Japan was built on for years and years and years is this coalition between promotions, and New Japan was built on it too. Um, they they would bring in guys from 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 all Japan and Noah uh, many times. Now New Japan has become kind of an isolationist. They do stuff with companies all across the world, but they don't really do stuff with other Japanese companies anymore. So now it's time for these other Japanese companies to kind of bound together and do some stuff. So I'm I'm, I'm all for it. I think ha- come together for big shows. You know, come together. And, and share talent and 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 you're not going to beat. There, there's no way that a wrestle one in all Japan or a Noah is going to beat New Japan on their own or even compete on the same level as New Japan anymore. New Japan's so far ahead right now, but can they do it? Can can they at least be in the fight if all three of them are together? Yeah, I, I don't think they're going to beat New Japan. I don't think they're going to take New Japan down. But you know, can they can they at least be contenders? Can they at least sell out big buildings? Can they feel like healthy companies if they work together a little bit more? I absolutely think so. And and, and the matches and, and the different stuff that you can do with all those promotions working together, I mean, it's endless. So yeah, I say I'm all for it. I love it. And I can't wait to see what they do. I, I, I like to see New Japan get knocked down a peg, you know, as well, because I like competition. Competition is good for everybody. We mentioned competition is great for WWE. It'd be incredible for New Japan as well. I would love to see all, Wrestle One, All Japan, and Noah work together a little bit more, whatever it is. Whether capacity of, of of talent sharing, big shows coming together, doing that, I think just incredible stuff. So I, I'm 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 all for it. I think it'd be awesome. All right, move on to some foreign questions here. This is in the last little bits. I thank you guys for joining me, of course, on this Voice Wrestling flagship solo uh, expedition here. Uh, Gerard, uh, which companies do you think WWE talk to, and are there other any Japanese promotions that you would hope stay the hell away from WWE? So this is a question about uh, the potential of an NXT uh, Japan. I think. I think WWE probably talked to Noah. I think WWE probably talked to All Japan. I imagine WWE probably talked to even Wrestle One, because uh, I think that there's there's no reason not to talk to all those companies. Um, I don't know, man. I I just I don't have a good feel for NXT Japan. I just I, I think that they were able to kind of strong arm and 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 bully promotions in in Europe and and strong arm and bully promotions in in the US. I don't know if they're going to have the same level of, of, of being able to do that in, in, in Japan because these Japanese companies are owned by big-time companies. I mean, we look at, you know, many, many years ago, you know, All Japan opened by, you know, owned by IT companies, Speed Partners or whatever. Like, you have these larger companies that own these things. You know, New Japan, of course, owned by Bushiroad, um, you know, Wrestle One. You know, you know, has has big time sponsorship. Noah is is owned by these you know larger companies or whatnot. That, that's what it's always been is like these larger companies sort of invest in 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 Japanese wrestling companies, and and I don't know that they're really ready to just be sort of steamrolled by WWE. And I don't know, I, I don't know what the offers WWE is giving. I don't know what WWE is going in there and saying, hey, we'll give you this, this, and this, and yada yada yada. And that shit might work. I mean, it worked in in UK and it worked in America. I just I, I don't have a good feel for if it's going to work in Japan. Maybe you have some lower tier companies like your Noahs that say, yeah, yeah, sure, that sounds like a good idea. We need the capital and 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 we'll you know we'll grow from this, even though it's a lie and they won't grow from it at all and they'll just be swallowed up. Um, 
maybe you get that, but I don't know. I just don't have a good feel for it. And and I think the big dogs in, in Japan, I think you're even, I'm going to count all Japan as a big dog. Like, I don't think they're going to be affected by this. I know that New Japan is not going to be affected by it. And maybe a Noah, maybe Russell won. Maybe, I don't know, but like maybe they just work with like zero one and companies like that. I, I don't know. I don't have a good feel for it. I don't know if that, 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 Amer- that, that WWE has a good feel uh, for Japan as well. I think in a, at the end of the day, they're a very American wrestling promotion and they have a real tough time sort of dealing business wise with, with other Japanese companies. And that's why you really haven't seen any positive relationships ever um, between WWE and, and, and Japanese towns and, and Japanese companies other than maybe, you know, SWS all those years ago. But then again, was owned by like a big time, you know, sunglasses corporation. And, you know, when, when WWE tried to strong arm them on, on things, it didn't quite work out all that well. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I have a real tough time deciding what the hell is going to happen with with NXT Japan and uh, what's going to happen with those Japanese wrestling companies. So I imagine they talk to all the companies, but you know which ones actually work with them. I don't know. Uh, Steve, which promotion uh, is winning and losing the, quote, talent war right now? Um, I think, you know, All Elite is doing great in the talent war, but I got to give some credit to Ring of Honor. I think they've went out there and they've signed Roosh and they've signed Brody King and they went out there and signed PCO and they signed Bandito. And I think they really, in a lot of ways, have 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 weathered the storm. I, I don't want to say winning is tough because they did lose a lot of talent as well, but I think they've 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 weathered the storm pretty well. And I think they've done a pretty good job of, of getting themselves in there and and becoming a player, uh, you know, in the talent acquisition uh, realm of of of. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, you know, I, I think they've done a pretty good job. I think All Elite, of course, has done a pretty good job. Um, I would say the the loser. You know, when I'm talking about winners, All Elite and and, and Ring of Honor, I think are the two winners. Uh, losers, I mean, I kind of gotta say New Japan. You know what I mean? Like I got I gotta call a spade a spade. Like they have not. I mean, they lost Kenny. They lost Cody. They lost the Bucks. They've lost a lot of guys here and there. They've lost the best friends. Uh, they've lost a lot of, of of people that were important to the U.S. expansion and important to the the Japanese wrestling uh, as well. I mean, the Bucks and and and, and Kenny were, were big deals for them for a while. Uh, I I have no doubt that they're ready to restock with the guys that they have in the back. But like I you know in terms of a talent war, New Japan has not fought back. They've kind of said, hey, we got the guys, we got the horses on our own. We don't need you guys. See ya, bye. And I we'll see we'll we'll see if that is 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 a smart move if that was the right idea to let those guys go and not really put up much of a fight but yeah I gotta call a spade a spade I think New Japan's losing the war uh, right now and I think Ring of Honor and All Elite are, are winning it and um, WWE will always kind of win it as well even though they've they've lost some some battles here but uh, yeah Ring of Honor and, and and All Elite I think have done a great job you know gathering talent and and gathering and going for the same talent and, and splitting them you know sort of. Equally, in a lot of ways. And I think All Elite probably has the bigger top-tier talent, but I think uh, I'm not going to sleep on what Rick Vonner's done, too. I think they've done some great, great moves. Uh, MLW probably losing the war as well. Uh, we're starting to find out how flimsy some of those contracts are. And, you know, Jimmy Havoc announces as potentially showing up at All Elite as well. Uh, a lot of the guys that MLW felt like they had in the in, in the mix, those guys are really just not <laughs> really. I, I don't know the long-term uh, ramifications for those guys uh, too much in MLW. So I think they're probably a big loser as well, and I think uh, New Japan. Uh, is a loser as well. So, all right, so Michael Levy, uh, with her freelance title win last weekend, Kylie Ray is clearly one of the biggest stars in Chicago. Uh, with the rumors that she is AEW bound, do you see her as someone that can build the women's division around, or is her local appeal not going to translate to the national scene? Uh, I answered this a little bit earlier, uh, Michael, but I know you're a guy who's who's watched freelance. Um, you know, I'm obviously in the Chicago scene, so I know a lot about Kylie Ray, and she really is a, a growing star here. I think absolutely. If you watch that press conference. 
it took like two minutes for her to become just she's got such a radiant personality and such a good personality i think within two minutes she was ready to go and and, and the fans loved her and, and all elite and i think there's no way that she doesn't get over to the larger audience i think it might take a little bit longer but there's nothing about her that screams like person that only gets over locally like i think she's just such a bubbly personality and such a positive uh you know positivity and and, and a good wrestler too so um yeah i i'm i i think she'll get over on the larger stage and i think she is somebody to absolutely build a women's division around uh, she's a pretty good worker um, as well, and, and and yeah, I think uh, I think it's gonna be interesting, and I think it's a great, 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 great pickup for all elites. I think it's a smart pickup for all elites, and yeah, I'm uh, I'm excited to see what she does uh, as as part of the women's division, and I think she absolutely could be the head of the women's division, and I think the sky's the limit for her. I, I really, really do. So I think it's a great pickup, and and yeah, I think it's gonna translate uh, to the larger scene. All right, throw stuff. One sixty-five. As a sports fan, what's your opinion on Cody talking about AEW's uh, kicked around idea of having wins and loss records? Uh, do you like the idea in theory? Do you think Tony Khan being a stats guy gives it a better chance of succeeding than with the promotions that have tried it in the past, or do you think it's doomed to fail eventually, uh, no matter what? Um, I'm a stats guy. I'm a sports guy myself, but I don't like the idea of wins and loss records in pro wrestling. I like wins and losses mattering. I think you should always bring up important wins. I think you should be careful about who loses. I think you should be careful about who takes pinfalls. But making it like the core of your company, wins and losses, is tricky. It's tough. It doesn't work out all that well. Um, I don't know. Evolve tried it, you know, and it just didn't quite work for them. It, it, it's tricky in wrestling because there's there's aspects where like a loss can be good, but in sports, like a loss is not good you know unless you're trying to tank and, and get a good draft pick or whatnot but like and, and that's the thing with wrestling is like you know there's ways to make a win feel not important and there's ways to make a loss feel like as important as hell and there's a ways for a loss to feel like you know it absolutely destroyed somebody and there's a way for a win to feel like it really did help somebody there's just so much nuance to wins and losses in wrestling that i don't think it works in the sense that you can build a guy up with a two and one record or whatever and that one loss could be the biggest loss of his career, and those two wins don't matter at all. You, you know what I mean? Like that that one loss can be the biggest thing that ever happened to that guy, and it could be what projects him into the you know or, or, or vaults him up into in, into the, you know the top of the company. Or you can have a guy who's who's one and two, and that one win was the first time he came in, and then he had a, he went on. There's just I I don't know. I don't like the wins and losses in wrestling because I think there's just so much nuance to it. I think you should always be cognizant in the back of your mind, and when you're booking. You should be aware of who's had wins and who's had losses and who has momentum and all that sort of stuff and and who you know you're protecting and that sort of stuff. But to make it outward, to make it obvious, to say, oh my God, Trent Beretta and, and the best friends they're they're two and four over their last you know six matches or whatnot. It just it, it doesn't work. It sounds good on its face, but it just doesn't quite have that same vibe. But you know if they have an idea uh, to try to do it and try to make it work, I'm for it. I think it'd be interesting to see. I just I don't love the idea of it in wrestling, and I think it just gets too muddied up. And I think there's just there's there's ways to book wins and losses where it doesn't they can mean so much more without making it blatant that this person's lost four matches you know in their career or whatnot I, I don't know I, I don't love him I think there's just other ways to go about it so so I would not do it um, but I would always be cognizant of wins and losses and I would always care about wins and losses even if you don't you know necessarily have a graphic that comes up when you know Kylie Ray comes out and you say, "Oh, she's two and one." You know, I don't know that that to me loses a little bit of meaning. It it sort of makes all those wins and losses not. It, it means less to me those than than they would if you just kind of you know reference back to wins and losses that those people had, but, but don't outwardly say, "Oh, they're five and two. Like I, I don't know. 
Don't really love it. Anyway, uh, Supersonic, you asked, this question is about the following observer quote. We still don't know the MSG main event, uh, what the MSG main event will be. Uh, Jay White against Tanahashi or Okada Tanahashi, maybe even Tanahashi and Jericho. Uh, of those three matches, which are you hoping to see take place and who would go over in your choice? So I've been saying this for years, man. Okada Tanahashi, Okada Tanahashi, Okada Tanahashi. Do it in America. It is it is not the draw it used to be in Japan anymore, which is fine. They've seen it plenty of times. They've seen it. I, I forget the number off the top of my hand. They've seen it a ton of times. America, we have never seen that before. And you need these shows to be important. You need these shows to feel like you're getting an authentic New Japan experience. And Jay White and Tanahashi, that's something that you can still do in Japan. You could still draw in Japan with it. Tanahashi and Jericho, that's a good one too. I like Tanahashi and Jericho. I think that's one you could do for MSG, and that would work. To me, though, Okada Tanahashi, it feels then like you're getting an authentic New Japan main event in Madison Square Garden that is absolutely 100% the one I do because I think that that's something that American fan bases would love to see. It would be an incredible match, and they would feel like they were a part of history. They were a part of something special. That is absolutely the one I go with. I've said a long time ago they should have done that. Now, especially in Madison Square Garden, a show that already sold, so you don't really even need to sell tickets. That's the perfect match to do. It's the one that makes it so much more important. And then have them go out there and have a match of the year contender and have it be this incredible moment, you know, in Madison Square Garden, two New Japan legends go out there and tear the house down. That's the perfect, perfect, perfect choice is Okada Tanashi. So that's the way I go. All right. And now our final question before I get out of here. Thank you very much, of course, for joining me on the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast, my solo voyage. Of course, thanks to our sponsor, Mint Mobile. You go to mintmobile.com slash VOW to get three months only 20 bucks of Mint Mobile. First two months free. Anyway, mintmobile.com slash VOW. Let's get to the final question here. Tim Dog. You ask, what do you think about Tom Lawler? Personally, if I was Tony Khan, I would do everything I could to get him under contract. His seriousness would be a nice contrast to a lot of the goofiness that the elite is known for. What do you see as a ceiling? I fucking love Tom Lawler, man. I think sky's the limit for Tom Lawler. I think MLW is doing the right thing by having him be the champion. And I'm very curious to see what their TV looks like with him as champion. But if I'm Tony Khan... If I'm Ring of Honor, hell, if I'm New Japan, if I'm any company that's in a talent war, WWE as well, I do whatever I can to get Tom Lawler. I say, hey, I heard these MLW contracts aren't with the paper they're written on. What can we do to get you, man? What can we do to get you today? I don't want you on MLW. I don't want you anywhere else. I want you exclusively with us because I think you are, I think, I think sky's the limit for this guy. I think he's a main event talent. I think he's a great promo. I think his in-ring is great. And like you said, there's a seriousness to him. There's a shooter aspect to him. There's a, there's just some aura about him because he's a real fighter that would be perfect in so many different companies. I think in Ring of Honor, it'd be a million bucks if he was able to go to Ring of Honor and do this stuff there. And all Elite, I think it's a great pick that you mentioned as well because there's a lot of goofiness with those guys. There's a lot of over-the-top comedy and Joey Ryan dick stuff and Hangman Page talking about his cock and all this. There's all this sort of stuff. And even like a Kenny Omega type, who I love, can be kind of goofy at times. But Tom Lawler is all serious. He's 100% business. So I would love to see him in there. I would love to see him anywhere. I like to see him in MLW. I don't mind if he stays in MLW if they do the, if they use him well. I just want to see Tom Lawler more because I think sky's the limit for this guy. I think he could be a main event level talent. I think he's a star and it's amazing that he hasn't been picked up by anybody yet. Cause I think there's just, there's just so much you can do with him and he's such a great talent. So I'm all for Tom Lawler. Uh, I, I say everybody should be on the call or everybody should be on the phone trying to get Tom Lawler as much as they can. So 
Uh, all right. Thank you very much, guys, for uh, checking this flagship out. Of course, go to voiceofwrestling.com to read all of our previews, reviews, columns. Of course, the match of the year went down last week. You can see that at the top of the website, voiceofwrestling.com. Uh, you want to follow us on Twitter, at Voices Wrestling. Of course, subscribe to the Patreon as well, voiceofwrestling.com slash Patreon. If you want even more of Joe and I, I just released a new uh, little mini-series on the Voice Wrestling Patreon called Death's Door, uh, The Dying Days of WCW, where I'm going to recap each and every uh, Nitro uh, into the final days of WCW. We just did the February 5th uh, Nitro show, so we have uh, only a few more shows left to go. Uh, there, I think, eight uh, more episodes of that miniseries, or seven, seven more episodes of that miniseries, as you look at the last seven episodes now of Money Nitro. Talk about the news and notes of the time. Um, you know, things are positive right now. Fusion Media is coming in to buy WCW, and Eric Bischoff's going to turn things around, and there's going to be a big bang, and everything's going to go away for a little bit, and then they're going to come back and re-energize and recharge. And, of course, we know that's not going to happen. So uh, just fun to kind of watch that uh, play out as it goes. So, yeah, a little mini-series here on the Voice of Wrestling Patreon. Uh, episode 1 is available to subscribers of any tier, whether you're a $1, $3, or $5 subscriber. Um, and, yeah, voiceofwrestling.com slash Patreon. Go there right now, subscribe, uh, and show your support for the Voices of Wrestling flagship podcast. Uh, also, the Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network. Plenty of good stuff on there. I mentioned the Super J-Cast before. I mentioned Music of the Mat. Uh, Everything Elite, our new uh, All Elite Wrestling uh, podcast, as well by the former guys of uh, Everything Evolves. Uh, you definitely want to check that one out, Wrestling Kase, the five-star match game, Brit Rest Roundtable, Open the Voice Gates, we got the Super J-Cast, as I mentioned, we got Shake Them Ropes, we got just plenty of stuff for you guys to listen to on the Voice Wrestling Podcast Network, so make sure you go on there and subscribe to there. And last but not least, as I mentioned, Mint Mobile, get your first three months for just $20 from Mint Mobile, mintmobile.com slash VOW. That's mintmobile.com slash VOW. Three months of premium wireless service for just $20. Mintmobile.com slash VOW. I got to go. Uh, wishing the best to Joe and his family. Uh, and yeah, we'll see you next time on the Voices of Wrestling flagship podcast. Take care. In a world of one million wrestling podcasts, there is a new shining star with great interviews, analysis, music, and, and me, Matt Coon, on total engagement. Go to any podcast platform to listen today.